Why don't you go upstairs, get your kibbles and bits. Hey, go get some kibbles and bits. Man, talk radio. Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. To the blue line, and Markov slipped up ahead. Kovalev fires. Scores! Kovalev has won the game on that bullet shot. And the Canadians are up 2-0 in the bus of seven. You think it's hot to be sad, but it's not. You're an ex-prom queen, slipping stones in your docks. In a circle of people with fun that's illegal, you act like a cop. You're the sequel that sucks. Doors always have their locks. Like, why even try when we're already fucked? Got your hands on a laptop, face in the mud, just stop. You give me For Thursday, April 4th, 2019. I almost said 18. You stumbled there. I'm Brutes Battaglia of Puck77.com. What year is it? Uh, and Who's I'm, to say? I'm James Cole of Puck77. Nice. Good to see you. How are you doing? Uh, pretty good. You? What brought you out tonight? Um, had a, had here a, to see the band? Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the pizza I heard was pretty good, so yep. stopped in, had a slice. We are, we are, of course, recording live from the Apollo. Yeah, um, you're gonna have to explain that one to me. Cause I honestly I got, thought um, I, I got, thought that bar closed. Like I got kicked out of the ago. Apollo this weekend. Yeah, but no, not this weekend. Like like five years ago. No, it was this weekend. No. Um. Yeah, we we went in. Okay, so well, uh, you know, I'll set the table for the whole night. We went to crickets. Saw a good comedian. Had a good time. We were welcomed with open arms. They love us there every time. Potential yep. future po- sponsor of the podcast. To be honest, love it. Uh, then we went to the Sovereign Room. Had some beverages there. There were people there. We, you know. Big fan. Hung out. And then I don't really remember what brought it up. But at some point we're like, hey, you know where we've never been? The Apollo. Let's go to the Apollo. So we went to the Apollo. We stood and waited for a drink for maybe three to five minutes. Wasn't that long. They were busy. In the meantime, a girl came over and brought me a sucker. She was like sucking on a sucker. And she looks at me. Like ecstasy? And I looked at her. No, just like a, well, I mean... No, everything was fine, actually. I was trying to think if maybe I had a, a, a trip, but I, I didn't. I felt huh. good. Yeah, I, it, there definitely wasn't drugs in it. It was it was a normal sucker. But I'm like, where'd you get that? She's like, there's a whole bunch of them at the front door. And I'm like, no, there isn't. And she turned around and walked away from me. And I'm like, oh, that was, I'll never talk to her again. And ten seconds later, she brought me a sucker. I said, thank you. And she said something like rock on or something hipsterish. I don't really remember what she said. And she left. Okay. And then the owner came over to us and said, I'm sorry, I'm not serving you. You have to go. And I'm like, oh, okay. Are we are we too drunk or something? And she's like, no, I just don't want you here. We're like, okay. And I'm like, is there a reason why? And she's like, well, I'm the owner. I don't need to have a reason. And I'm like, no, you absolutely don't. I just want to know so that way I know why I shouldn't come back here. She's like, it doesn't matter. I'm the owner. And I'm like, well, then I'm just going to keep coming back here if you don't have a reason why. And she's like, no, you won't. I won't let you in. And I'm like... All right, fair enough. And I shook her hand and left. I'll, I'm going back this weekend. I'll be there. I'm going back all the time. What are you gonna do? To fucking set a restraining order because I, I have bad vibes. Something in there. She said like we have bad vibes. Like that was like the only reason she gave me. 
And I'm like, okay, I, I guess. Like, that's sort of a reason. Is that true, though? Like, I had a great night leading up to that. Was there anything going on in the bar? Like, was there a band playing? No. Was there... Uh, I'm so, you've been in there, right? Yeah, yeah. Just people, like, sitting around on couches and shit. Getting baked and... Yeah, just doing whatever. Just, uh, someone's dog is wandering in and out and... It's, like, it's... It wasn't, like... It was just, like, bizarro world, man. Because, like, I knew people in there. There's, like, a guy who's in my program. Like, he, go, he went to, like, university to be a teacher. You gotta be kind of normal to do, do five years or six years of that program. Yeah. He's in there and he was fine. No one was bothering him. I don't know. The only thing I can think of is I was wearing a red hot chili peppers t-shirt, which maybe they maybe she doesn't like the chili peppers. Maybe they're like too maybe they're bad vibes. I can stop. Okay. Like uh, I don't know, like to to quote the red hot chili peppers, it was like a parallel universe. You were uh road tripping. Yeah. So by the way, um <laughs> By the way, the story ends with uh, us going to Black Pirates, who you're very familiar with. Been there. I'm very familiar with. We walk in, and I uh, go to order a drink, and, you know, I ordered a cream or, and everyone else ordered drinks, and I'm like, hey, owner, can I ask you a question? Because the owner of Black Pirates, for those of you who don't know, is named Owner. And uh, he's like, yeah, what's up? And I'm like, uh, so we, we just came from the Apollo, and he just kind of, like, smirks. And I'm like, yeah, like, uh, we got kicked out of there. And he's like, why? And uh, I'm like, because we have bad vibes. And he kind of looked at me and he's like, yeah, I've heard that before. <laughs> and I'm like, this happens often. And he's like, oh, yeah. Well, thank you for welcoming me home, owner, because I much prefer Black Pirates Pub. That's um, that's a pretty wild weekend. It was just weird. I've never really had anything like that happen. And, like, again, like I said to her, I'm like, yeah, you have every right to just kick me out for no reason. I just want to know why... So we can avoid this situation again. Definitely. And she's like, well, I don't need to have a reason. Well, then you don't really want to kick me out. You're just doing it for fun. Because <laughs> if there's no reason, then what the hell are we doing this for? So, yeah. yeah. Wow. I, like, uh, it was just puzzling. And I'm not saying, like, I mean, I, th- I th- personally think she's wrong. I think I have decent vibes, but maybe I don't. And that's fine. But what? I like that you just shook give her me hand, reason. too. That was, that oh, was, yeah. Because I was like, yeah, good for you. And she she laughed. It was like it was not like a super negative exchange. Like it was just like okay, whatever. But I'm like I'm gonna keep coming back here, and she's like no, you won't. And I'm like well yeah probably. Just keep kicking me out. Was it like was it like they wanted to go home and they no, just, uh... there was like thirty or forty people in there still ordering drinks. There was a lineup at the bar. She avoided the line to come and tell me to get out. Maybe it was like a why don't you just point at me from behind the bar? Get out. Because it would have been more of a fucking useful conversation. I would have just assumed I was too drunk, which I wasn't. Or that one of my friends was too drunk, which they weren't. I don't know. Maybe it was like a cult meeting. And like they that, wanted to scoot you man, out real quick. I don't even want to get into the underground sort of world that is the Apollo. I'm assuming by bad-mouthing them on this podcast that they are sending people after me. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't care. Should I lock my door? I, well, whatever. I mean, like, no one's going to hear this till it's released, James. <laughs> like, I don't think The way you're talking, I don't well, know what to but, think. But, I mean, once it's out there, yeah, I don't know. So they're after me. So, yeah. So there's that. Huh. I guess. Yeah. Uh, March Madness. Yeah. What's, <laughs> what's, uh, who's even still alive there? I, I gotta check. Uh, so how's your bracket? It's, uh, it's not, it's not great, Steve. Seen, seen better days? Yeah. Uh, the final four, we've got Texas Tech who's a three seed. They're playing Michigan State, who's a two seed. And there's Virginia. The, who, the What are they, the Boilermakers? Is that what they are? 
Yeah, I think so. I can't. I can't remember what they are. I gotta look it up because I forget. Uh, they're playing Auburn, five seed. Did you have any of those teams in the final four? Um, I don't believe I. I think I have Michigan State in one of my brackets, but not the other. Let's put it this way: my finals is blown completely. Let's put it this way: I had two of the final four. Okay, that's okay. But they were both the teams that lost in the final four. So I I had Michigan State losing to Gonzaga, who did not make the final four. Oh, you had them losing to get into the final four? No, no. Like, I have them in the final four. They're in the final four. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I have have two out of four right. Oh, okay. But But they might still... Oh, but you had them losing this game. I see what you're saying. Okay. And I also had Virginia. So what was your final? So that way we can make fun of each other and how much we look like idiots. I had Gonzaga versus Houston. Okay. So... Houston, kind of a bold pick. Yeah, where, I thought. where did they go out? They were a three seed. Like 16. it's not like they were bad. They lost to Kentucky. Yeah, I wasn't really crazy about them though. Oh, the Virginia Cavaliers. Yeah. Okay. Here's a fun little game. Can you name the mascot from the other three teams that are remaining? Uh, Michigan State Spartans. Yeah. Um, Auburn and who else was the other one? <laughs> Texas Tech, right? No, I don't think I can. I no? just watched the Auburn game the other day, but I can't remember what they're called. Uh, so Texas Tech is the Red Raiders. Not the Red Riders, the Red Raiders, and uh, Auburn is the Tigers. Huh. So they're still alive. Uh, who you got? Well, it's been a know, good March Madness. It has. I said it at Not the beginning. Not a lot of crazy upsets, but there's, before you know, we, uh, Before we... Duke's out, so I mean, that's kind of cool. Yeah. No offense to Duke, but... Before we recorded, like, the, the last episode we recorded before it started, and before I made my bracket, I said, like, the Michigans, Michigan and Michigan State, and I, I, I had Michigan State going this far, so... I'm going to stick with Michigan State at this point. And, and who else? Yeah, I guess Virginia. Yeah. Auburn looks good, but I just think Virginia's going to take that one. Yeah, I think Virginia versus Michigan State hmm. in the finals. And uh, I'm taking Virginia. I'll stick with the Spartans. I, I think Virginia's got a lot to prove after what happened last year. Because if you didn't watch Ooh, a tournament, maybe. they lost against the 16th seed. The only time that's ever happened in the history of this tournament. UMBC. I think, I think they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. I think they'll win. Care to make a bet over it? Not at all. Okay. <laughs> you know, everyone listens to this podcast for the fun hijinks. Hey, man, you want to make a fun, friendly bet about this basketball game we know nothing about? Not at all. <laughs> okay. Well, moving on. Uh, it's a ga- game of over-unders, which is, you know, oh, if you weren't already fucking... See, like, I'm just beating you down this episode. It's like, the Apollo sucks. <laughs> Your bracket sucks. Over-unders you're not great at. <laughs> uh, if you missed the previous two over-unders, uh, it's a game we've played on, on the podcast for a few weeks now. Uh, I'm going to give James 12 players and certain stat categories, and I'm going to give him a number. And he's got to like let me know if this number is over or under. So, for example, if I gave him like career high in goals for Eric Lindros, 46 over or under, he would have to guess. And then I would tell him, which I actually think Lindros' career high is 46, so that wouldn't work in that particular example. But, um, yeah. So, yeah. James is uh, a losing record in both causes, but there was an improvement last week. There was. Because uh, he went, well, 6 for 13, with the 5 for 13 with the tiebreaker. But uh, 5 for 12, and I think the previous week was 4 for 12. Yeah. So you're moving up. This week you may actually get to the tiebreaker where it's going to mean something. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So uh, he's got to get he's got to get seven out of thirteen for a pass because there is a tiebreaker. Okay? okay. All right. So we'll start off with career high in points in a season. In a season. Okay. Alex Tangay, former Colorado Avalanche, Calgary Flame forward. 
Over under 84 points as a career high. Under. You're one for one, James. Alex Tange hit 81 points in 2006, 2007. Okay. Which has been my favorite season to reference so far on these over-unders. I would have guessed 82 for the record. So. Okay. Nice. Uh, number two. Now, the first appearance, I believe, from a currently active NHLer. But All I'm right. going to assume he's never going to top this career point total. Okay. Uh, Louis Erickson, over or under 82 points in a season? Over. Uh, Louis Erickson's career high point total is 73 mm. in 2010, 2011. Now, there's still time for you to be right. But as of right now, you are wrong. You are one for two. <clears throat> yes. The third career high and final career high point getter, Sammy Sallow. Wow. Over or under 44 points? Uh, under. You are correct, James. Oh. Sammy Salo's career high was 37 in 2006. 2007, my favorite year to reference. Still more than I would have guessed. He uh, he only played 67 games that year. Jesus. Yeah. Huh. Good uh, good for Sammy Salo. You're two for three. So the career high points. Moving uh, on up. That was, that was helpful for you this week. The, our next point total, or, or our next category, gets a little more difficult. Career total points. Okay. So at the end of their career, did they okay. have more or less than this? Okay, I like this. Chris Drury. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, who's the perfect player where it's like, well, did he either get 1,000 points or 300 points? Uh, Chris Drury, over or under 675 points on his career? Mm-hmm. Under. You are correct. Chris Drury only had 600, only, only had 615 <laughs> points in his career. You Love are it. three for four, good Love sir. Love it. Look, what a start. You may have been three for four last week. Uh, Bre- Brendan Witt, over or under 105? Over. You are correct. Brendan Witt, 121 points on his career, which is remarkable because I think he played like 1,200 games. Yeah. <laughs> um, sticking with the Brendans, Brendan Morrison, over or under... 555. Over. Brennan Morrison had 601 career points. You are 5 for 6. Feel it. Now, uh, it is worth mentioning that we will get to career total games played. But for now, (laughs) which I don't think you've gotten one right in two weeks. Um, Career high wins in a season comes first, though. Uh, we got to throw some love out to the goaltenders. we got a few Roberts in this category. Robert Essensa or Bob Essensa, career high wins in a season over or under 30? Over. Bob Essensa won 33 games in 1992-93. Good sir, you have made it to at least the tiebreaker, if not a pass. There we go. Second, Jamie McLennan, over or under 19 wins in a season? Noodles, eh? Noodles McLennan. Career backup. I'm going to say under. Look at you, James. Thank you. 16 wins in 97-98. You have passed, good sir. Look at you. I'd like to thank um, everyone at uh, Sport Top, uh, the good people at uh, Pennzoil, and, uh, you know, Tom Cochran, because without him... Proud sponsors of this week's (laughs) podcast. We're going back to the Roberts now, James. Robert Esch. Over or under 26 wins in a season. That's heartbreaking. <laughs> um, wow. 
Can can I can I ask a question? Okay. Did he play anywhere other than Philadelphia for more than two years? Yeah. I don't even have to look. He did for sure. I can't picture a single other jersey. He uh, he only played for one other team, but he played there for as many seasons as he played in Philadelphia. Holy shit! Okay, <laughs> then I'm gonna go over. The answer is under. Mm. Robert we- Robert Ash won 22 games with the Philadelphia Flyers in 2005 2006. So it kind of tripped you up there by wondering about another team. Kind of. Where did he play? Uh, 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 Phoenix. He's a Phoenix Coyotes draft pick. Huh. Yeah. All right. That's okay. okay. You're, 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 what, seven for nine? Yeah. So it's pretty good. We're about to really shatter your fucking yeah, world now, I think, it. though. Maybe. I mean, it's hard to say. Um, career total Career total games played, which has been a, a rough go for James. Callie Johansson. Okay. Over or under 1,050 games? Under. Callie Johansson played 1,109 games in the National Hockey League. The real battle, it's the battle within the battle is just career total <laughs> games played. Like, it almost doesn't even matter what you did on the other category. Well, I mean, it does. Good for you. You passed. But uh, Danny Markov, over or under 650 games? Under. You are correct. He only played 538 games. Yes. Isn't that weird? Get the monkey off the back. That isn't, that, isn't that kind of weird, though? Uh, our final career total games played, Dan Bilesma. Over... Goody. Or under 375 games. Look, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. The only <laughs> thing I remember of Dan Bilesma playing career is him putting his, the puck in his own net for the St. Louis Blues. Mm, so, don't even remember that. Playoffs. Okay. Under. Um, It's over. He played 429 games. It's also worth noting that Dan Bilesma never played for the St. Louis Blues, so I don't know what you're thinking of. Huh. What am yeah. I thinking of? I don't know. Do um, you want the tiebreaker or not? Um, Mark Bergevin's what I'm thinking of. Yep, he definitely did that. You want the tiebreaker? You you did what? You were 8 for 12? Yeah. That's pretty good. Okay. Tiebreaker? Sure. Career high in goals. Is Marzus Tchaikovsky a former 30-goal scorer or not? I don't think so. I think 28 was his highest, so I'm going to go under. Marzus Tchaikovsky had 30 goals on more than two occasions. So, three occasions. <laughs> yeah. oh, I worded Math. it like that. Uh, 35 in 99-2000 wow. is his career high goal total. Huh. He had 70 points that year. That's going to be the most points by a Polish player in a season. In a season? Yeah, I can't imagine Wojtek Wolski ever did that. And I can guarantee you Kristoff Olivon never did. So, yeah, I don't know if there's many others outside of that. <laughs> Wolski's technically Canadian, too. So. True. Yeah. Huh. Well, you did You did good. You, huh. were, you were 8 for 12 where it counted. I'm, uh, Eight for thirteen officially. I'm getting better, and that's what's key. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, you, never stop you, improving. You passed. We should. We're going to stop doing this segment now that you passed because it's well, March is over. So now nah, nah, we'll do it. Talk talk current events in hockey. Uh, it, it's worth noting uh, the anniversary of the Humboldt Broncos crash is on Saturday uh, tonight. There was an airing of a short documentary made about the people on the bus and the the scene that surrounded um, what happened. I think the first thing maybe worth noting is it's it's almost unfathomable to me how they've rebounded this season. Like it's 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 not so much crazy to me that they were able to ice a hockey team like I figured, you know, the rink's still there, people are still going to go try out, they'll find 
personnel to to yeah. be a part of this team. It is remarkable how well they did. I think. Yeah, I I, I know they, I know they lost their playoff They're series. Out now, yeah. yeah, but was it the second round that they went out in? Mm, I can't remember if it was the first or the second. I thought it was. I thought they made the second round, which is like where they were last year, of course, when um, all of this uh, went down. So just to, to, to say yeah, I thought it was the second round. I can't find for sure, but yeah, I feel like they won a series before this. To say that you've at least improved from where you were last year, given the circumstances, I think is absolutely insane. And looks to me like it is the first round, but still, really okay. Yeah. Well, in any case. Um, mm-hmm. They could have gone out there and lost. I apologize. I don't know the length of a uh, Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League schedule, but they could have went out there and lost their fifty or sixty games, whatever it is, and you know not won a single game. And this still would be just a, a profound yeah. uh, event for them to even you know show up and uh, to do what they did was uh, just that much more spectacular. Um, echoes of the. Matthew McConaughey film, uh, We Are Marshall. Okay. Uh, you know I was I mean? wondering where you were going with that. Yeah. Like, you know what this year really reminded <laughs> me of, out of Humboldt, was that Matthew McConaughey movie, Mud. Da- in Dallas Buyers Club. Um... You guys remember Failure to Launch? <laughs> <laughs> What's that one where he's a gold treasure hunter in the oh. And he uses a Civil War battleship to... It's the wildest what? plot. What? I don't remember that. Let's look it up. Oh, uh, yeah. That one he did with... Um, oh, I can't remember. That one, new one looks interesting. That beach bum. Yeah. Oh, are you talking about gold? Is that it's literally one? just called gold. It's like yeah. two years old. No. No? This oh, okay. is like ten years. Oh, no. Wait. He's like a gold investor in gold. Yeah. Ten years? He's like a beach surfer dude that's... Are you sure you're not thinking treasure. of his new movie that's out this year? It's the Beach Bum. <laughs> oh. oh, there's literally a movie that he, in 2008, he, it's called Surfer Dude. <laughs> Is it a comedy? Uh, it's kind of. I comedy. don't know, man. This movie you're describing could be. Here. Is Woody Harrelson in it? No. Okay, well then, I gotta fuck, I gotta it. see this movie, though. <laughs> Surfer Dude. It's a comedy. Matthew McConaughey, Woody Harrelson, Zach Knighton. Oh, Nathan Phillips is in it. Willie Nelson's in this. What? <laughs> oh, fuck. I'm watching this movie this Fool's weekend. Gold. Fool's, Fool's Gold. Fool's Gold. Yeah. He makes way too many movies about surfing <laughs> and boats and gold. I mean, I guess he's, like, typecast for it at this point. Kevin Hart is in that movie. So what? Big Bunny Dean. I'm sorry. How are you comparing this to the Humboldt Broncos? <laughs> like... All right, I guess I'll talk. Yeah, I mean, it is just sort of remarkable, though, what they did. I mean, Derek Derek Patter had another solid season. Um, Braden Cameron was second on the team in points. He had 55 and 48 games. Ty Smith was able to make a comeback, too. Like, he got into 10 games. So, it's an unbelievable story that they were really able to put together the season that they did. And, I mean, the story itself has been unbelievable since the get-go. I think it's huge for, for at least... Uh, the people of Humboldt to kind of help heal and you know it's it's I don't know that this really does much for the families or anything that's involved you know it's kind of a separate battle than than what's going to happen at the hockey rink at this point but uh, you know I think for the survivors and I think for the guys that are still around the team that this was this was probably a huge step and but for the city more than anything I think that it was huge because uh, 
you know, it, to see guys come back and to see this team ice another season in and of itself would have been remarkable. And the fact that they actually had a pretty good year is, uh, is I think, something to be proud of. If you're, if you're around the Humboldt Broncos or, or cheer for them or anything, it's, it's, it's amazing what they were able to do this year. Yeah, no, it really was, and it's hard to believe that it's been a year. It it really like that's is. honestly nuts. It really, yeah, it really, it feels like a month ago. Like I remember sitting at home, I was writing a paper because I was in school last year, and and uh, I was writing a paper, and I I didn't get anything else done the rest of the night, and probably <sighs> James's dog joins us again. Um, I didn't get anything done that night and i don't think i did much the next day because uh you know as we mentioned when we had him on to former guests of the podcast like uh calling to jackie played there and my first thought if he barks i'll kill him nice um as i was saying before we had to take a five minute break to remove james's bear from the basement because he knows how to behave during apollo conversations and over-unders but when we're talking about like legitimate things now, uh, now he wants to misbehave. I didn't know if I that night, like when I heard the news, if I should text Colin or not. Like I didn't know if he should find out himself or. I mean, obviously he doesn't play there anymore, so it's not quite as raw for him. There's a connection though. But he yeah. he spent some time there. It was his favorite time ever playing hockey. Was in that city. Mm-hmm. His favorite memories he ever has in the net are there. So. You know, there's a lot of people that have a, a, a connection to the team. And, and, I mean, like, it's even worth noting, like, they they underwent a coaching change mid-season this year, too. You know, and, and even that couldn't have been very easy. But they rebounded. And, uh, I mean, hey, like, uh, you know, nothing is going to undo what happened. But certainly for some people, this year has been... Uh, filled with a lot of progress and hope and, and a decent step forward. Yeah, and, and for me, another thing, too, is it's almost become, and, and I don't want this to sound wrong, like it's it's not a bad thing, but it's, it's almost that event that just keeps coming back and um, mm-hmm. something that we have to kind of keep being reminded of to a degree because we had the, you know, the whole incident with the the truck driver and the length of time it took to, you know, go through the courts and and have everything sorted out there and, and and that was only just you know dealt with recently so that that comes up and now we're talking about that for a little bit and then it dies down and now it's now it's the one year and now it's back in the focus again it, it's not something that we should want to forget or ignore right oh it's never going to be exactly yeah at least for our for people that were old enough to understand what happened and people that are around hockey it's never not I don't think it's ever going to go away and like even for us that we're not you know we're not really a part of the organization or the city or anything and like it still was difficult to hear I can't imagine being on that bus or knowing the people that were on that bus um but I I don't think it's ever going to go away I think it's always going to be something that's raw like anything tragic that happens it's it's you know it's going to take time to heal and and, you know a lot of these wounds and scars will heal but uh i don't think it ever it'll ever completely go away no you're right and uh you know so our our thoughts for sure this week are with the the people in humboldt because obviously uh 
I'm sure this is a probably a very difficult week for a lot of people in that area, and uh, we wish everyone well on on behalf of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sort of an, a more difficult news from the week, to be honest with you, is uh, the CWHL has decided to fold. Uh, I'm sure anyone listening to the podcast is pretty aware of this happening. Um, now, I should preface this conversation by saying that we're not going to dive very deep into it right now. Um, there's a couple reasons for that. The first reason being that it's kind of hard to have all the facts because this is one of those situations that's uh, very raw and very ongoing and very fluid. There is quite a bit that can still happen with this uh, with this piece of news. So we know what we know, which at this point, and I think for a lot of people it's the same, it's not very much and that I, we do know. Yeah, and I think we're learning more and more each day even, yeah. right? So it's definitely a continuing developing yeah. story. Um, the second reason being that, um, I mean, a we want to let everything kind of come to light and, and let the chips fall where they might where they might fall and give us a little bit of a better idea uh, where this is moving. The second reason being is that uh, you know, full disclosure, in a couple of weeks we are planning to have a guest on the podcast who is a female hockey player, and and uh, we were sort of hoping to talk to her a bit more about what's going on, what's happening, and and sort of dive into a bit of a deeper discussion then mm-hmm. um i guess just because it'll be more themed of the episode but also because we're going to to learn more exactly. as the time yeah. goes on yeah. because um it is a pretty shocking decision i don't think that it caught everybody completely off guard though i think there's always been something looming that you know these these two leagues it's not like it's not like they're rival leagues, but they are rival leagues. They're not like, helping each other. That's what I mean. Yeah. Exactly. Like, you know, uh, it's not like it's an intense rivalry one league to the other as far as I know. Um, but they're definitely not feeding off each other. There's no coexistence here, really. So, A, I mean, we always sort of knew it was never completely practical. But secondly, neither of these leagues really seem to be, and it's not through their own fault necessarily, but neither of these leagues seem to really be growing women's hockey that rapidly. They were helping, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and the better the competition gets and, and the more well-run these leagues become, the better off it's going to be for women's hockey in the long run. But obviously these leagues have not been around very long. I mean, it took the NHL over 100 years to grow into what it is now, and it's still nowhere close to perfect. Um, it's going to take a while for a, a truly elite women's league to grow into something more prevalent than it is right now. And neither of these leagues are at that point, and, and that's kind of what we see with one league folding. Yeah, I mean, like, it's unfortunate because in, in my mind, I, I always kind of hoped that we'd have something similar to, you know, like the NL and the AL in baseball, where you've got these two different leagues, they've got differences but they find a way to kind of come together under one banner and provide the you know the best quality that that can be provided for the sport sure and i guess that maybe was never really in the cards i don't I mean, know in, in, but... in, a, in a in one way that's sort of what we get with international hockey right like that's you know not every player on the finnish team is playing over here in north america and like a lot of these countries come together and play against each other Mm-hmm. in both men's and women's hockey to varying degrees of success 
in both ends of it, uh, men's and women's hockey. But, I mean, that's the closest thing we ever really saw to best the best, best uh, yeah. yeah, the best on best sort of thing. Um, and, yeah, I agree with you. I never really thought that would happen with the two leagues, but I think there may have been room to grow there into something like that, well, like, yeah, like what you're describing. There was a lot of discussion from about how the NHL wouldn't support one over the other. And to me, right. it, it seemed always to just kind of make more sense where if you could look at your, again, not your rival, but if you could look at your you know, opposition and say, hey, we can help each other by yeah. helping each other this way and coming together and creating one banner above us while still remaining separate underneath that banner, you know, and, and say like, oh, instead of two leagues, now you're talking maybe two conferences or yeah. however you want to word it. I thought there was an opportunity there to maybe look at that as an avenue. But uh, obviously now with one league remaining and some questions in the air about the future of, of where... The unfortunate thing in the big picture is that there's just there's not going to be enough room for all these women to play hockey, and a lot of them are going to lose um, what can only be assumed they're, they're you know, secondary jobs Yeah. Um, while the league tries to figure this out. I mean, yeah, and that, that's a, that is a big issue. Like, you raise a good point there because, like, I know of people, you know, just for a smaller scale example, like here in Thunder Bay, there have been over the years some turmoil within the Thunder Bay Kings program, you know, and that's not a secret to anyone who lives here. Like, we're, we're all pretty aware of this at this point. Um, but there have been years where, you know, they're uncertain if they're going to ice a, a minor midget program or, ma- or, like, there was one year the major midget program was in jeopardy, which makes no sense. But, you know, like there were people my age because there wasn't a minor midget program the year that my age group would have been eligible for a minor midget team. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't have played on that team, but I know people that kind of got screwed over and had to make different decisions because they were not going to be able to play on that team because it didn't exist. It's kind of the same boat here for, for a lot of these women because now they have to wait and see what's going to figure out or what's going to shake out between these two leagues. And they're going to sit there and some of them waste the prime of their hockey playing ability, uh, not playing in a league where they should be, and instead, you know, in a lot of cases, probably just practicing back home with men's leagues and or things like that. And, you know, they're going to have to find a way to stay competitive and stay on the ice and, and do what they can. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's unfortunate. It is the reality of it. I, I saw some criticism on... Uh, Remember when I said we weren't going to talk about this? I saw some criticism. Uh, the one last thing I want to say was that the NHL only investing uh, $50,000 in each league. And now, with only the one league, the NHL has instead decided to invest $100,000. And there was some criticism on there about, um, you know, why doesn't the NHL invest more? And I will admit that that was my initial take because I kind of was surprised... I knew that the NHL put money into these leagues. I didn't really realize how little it was. Um, but from my understanding, and I think something that a lot of people don't get, is that although the CWHL is the one to fold, and we're still left with this other league now, um, my understanding is that the business model of this league and the way that league is run is not exactly perfect either, and that the NHL is sort of hesitant to represent a league that they don't necessarily agree with the way it's run. Now, the NHL is not filled with 100% good guys and, and positive motivations. But I think there is something to be said here where 
my point is that I do think this other league has a lot of work that needs to be done. And hopefully it ends up being a solution and a positive thing for women's hockey moving forward in the long run. Um, but whether or not it does, I, I don't I don't really know. And I, I, it's something we're going to learn again mm-hmm. over the coming weeks to see what sort of steps come next yeah. and, uh, and what they can do about it. Tough situation. Yeah, it's uh, it's it it sucks to be honest with you. But I, uh, I watched I watched the Clarkson Cup final the week before this was all announced. Yeah. and um, I thought it was a, a fantastic game. Obviously, they didn't have a series uh, like they do in the NHL. It was just a one one off game for the championship, and uh, it was great hockey. And at no point, you know, during that whole experience was I sitting there thinking this is going to be the last CWHL game that yeah. ever exists. And you know, I, I don't think she, a lot of people thought that. Yeah, you. like you know, she she didn't play, but you know, Mary Philippe Poulin was on the, uh, the the Montreal bench. Uh, you had Brandon Decker what was a, out there. What a brutal ending that might be for Poulin. Like, just right. well, not. I mean, like it won't be the ending, but it's just brutal to not be able to play in that game, and then that's yeah. that's it for yeah. your CWHL career. Right? So you're talking about like you know, you're looking and seeing a couple names that you recognize from you know international competition and. And uh, who is this Poulin? Tell yeah, me more. They, you know, it was just it was it was wild. It was wild to watch it and, and look back and say that was that was it and not realize it at the time. I guess. So. Yeah. Um. So, like I said, we will probably talk a little bit more at length once there's more to actually uh, more concrete de- details to discuss and once we once we know what the next steps are. But uh, to be honest with you, I, I think we're at a point with these two. Uh, well, with the one league now. Uh, with women's professional hockey in North America, I think we're at a crossroads, and it's going to be interesting to see what the next steps are. Mm-hmm. Um, the the wild card race to, races in the National Hockey League. Let's uh, talk about a more depressing professional hockey league now. Um, the the East. Should we start with the East? Sure. Start with the East. I guess it's Eastern time zone. Everybody's got to go to bed earlier yeah. here. I guess. If you want to stay up for the Western bias? Uh... Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Carolina Hurricanes, 80 games played, they sit at 95 points. Columbus Blue Jackets, 80 games played, they sit at 94 points. And the Montreal Can- Canadiens sit technically outside of the playoffs. 80 games, 94 points. Um, I don't want to talk so much about what's happened. Um, what do you think is going to happen? Because two of these teams, uh, two of these three teams are going to make the playoffs, one of these teams is going home. Um, first off, who do you think deserves to make the playoffs? And secondly, who do you think will make the playoffs? Because that doesn't necessarily mean it's the same thing. It's tough. Um, I, I, I see failures in all three of these organizations. Um, oh, no doubt. <laughs> no, no doubt. Because yeah. let's be honest with you here. If it's a three-way race between the Hurricanes, the Blue Jackets, and the Canadians, how the fuck is it even a question about the Hurricanes and the Blue Jackets getting in over the Canadians? It, it sh- the Canadians have no business being here. They are. They've earned their way. They're there. But, like, should these two, three teams be compared? Probably not. Like, those other two teams are way fucking better in Montreal. Montreal's kind of in a rebuild. Like, Montreal's retooling. This was supposed to be a gap year for them. They're outplaying these two. T- well, not not the two, but they're all playing Columbus lately. Mm-hmm. What, what the fuck are they doing there? Yeah. Like, it's it's interesting to me. To, to, like, I look at Columbus and I, I, I think, you know, if 
if we knew Panarin and Bobrovsky were staying or had diff- a different outlook on their careers, do they go out and spend at the deadline? You know, like, do they go out and get Dezingle and Duchesne and, and you know, are they actually in a playoff spot at this point? Like, if, if they've got those other two guys kind of locked up, are they just kind of coasting down the down the stretch and saying, you know, maybe next year's our year? So, for me, this, this Columbus team is almost like a, f- a flash in the pan that almost shouldn't exist. I mean, Columbus kind of has been a flash in the pan in the... John Tortorella um, era. You know what I mean? Like, this has never been a team that's exceptionally... Like, it's never been a team that's exceptional in terms of their possession, in terms of a lot of other metrics. Like, this is a team where they've had years where the only good thing about them is Bobrovsky. They've had years where Bobrovsky's not even a good thing about them. You know, right now is a case. Um, This is a team, I think, that has more talent than the head coach knows how to work with. And yet I think the head coach at times is the only reason they've been successful, if that makes sense. Like, I agree with you. Like, they're a flash in the pan that I think, I hate to say it because it's it's a weird way to put it, they kind of have lucked their way into this situation this season, I think, though. Mm-hmm. They're better than this represents. Now, that that's the one thing I will say. Because I think with a good coach, like a solid coach, Someone who can coach structural hockey. Oh, Alan Vigneault? Let's just say Mike Babcock. This is a 100-point team, to me, easily, or more. Like, I think the roster they have, there is so much to work with there. And this is without even considering their deadline acquisitions. Mm. Like, to me, this is a team I never thought they should be battling for a playoff spot. They're battling. And to be honest with you, I don't think they're going to make it. Mm. I think think it's going to be Carolina and Montreal. I mean... Granted, I I did just pull up their schedules, and there is something to be said for that. Uh, Columbus has two games remaining tomorrow night or tonight, I guess, Thursday night. They play the Rangers in New York. Saturday night, they play Ottawa in Ottawa. Uh, the Canadians' remaining games, they play tonight. The Capitals in Washington. Saturday night, they play Toronto in Montreal. And then the Hurricanes' remaining games, they play the Devils at home and uh, the Flyers on the road on Saturday. I don't know, man. I still kind of think Montreal might get it done. This is just... I like I, I kind of have a lot of respect. I kind of have a lot. I do have a lot of respect for this Montreal Canadiens roster. Yeah. Like, they got, they, the, they they got the job done fought. against Tampa. And that Good was, for them. That was they the deserved it. It wasn't like a... It wasn't like a game where Tampa just laid an egg and was resting everyone. or like, like Montreal deserved to win that game. Yeah. The problem is, is that at this point, they don't control their own fate. And that's the unfortunate thing about it. Because... They need one of those teams ahead of them to stumble because they don't hold the tiebreaker. I guess to their credit, Columbus sort of has been stumbling lately. Not a ton, but yeah, they like they're they're winning games. But like they won five in a row. They got fucking last night. murdered against yeah. the Bruins. But yeah, they've just been like like a lot of a lot of nights their shot numbers are not great. Their goaltending hasn't been super good. Yeah, um, I don't know. I've in in a, in a world of parity based on who they're playing. I don't think the Canadians are going to be able, like they they might stay pace, but not having that tiebreaker. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't think it's going to fall the right way for them. I think we're going to see Carolina and Columbus stick it out. And I mean, uh, you know, hey, at the end of the day, uh, I think I think we're missing something big here. Is uh, Pittsburgh Penguins haven't clinched yet? You know, they're still uh, still a chance. Sid and the boys are going home here, so. 
Let's uh-huh. not get ahead of ourselves. But uh, do you think Sid and the boys are going home? Oh, they lost four one to Detroit. So uh, no. So, um, <laughs> so yes or no, James? No, I, I think it's going to stay the way it is. It's going to be Columbus and Carolina, and uh, whether that's the teams that should be there, I don't know. But I just in a world of parity, I don't know if the Habs are going to have enough in the tank here to get it done, especially with who they're playing. I think. Columbus should be there in terms of the talent of their roster, but I don't know. I I don't like think, they they beat Ottawa. Right? I don't think they deserve it over Montreal. Does Columbus beat Ottawa? Yeah, I'm not certain Columbus wins either of those two. Really, games. I'm I I really don't have a lot of faith in this team. The Rangers. I want them. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm rooting for them, but I haven't loved anything I've seen for a while. Okay. Uh, even with those five wins. Okay. So yeah, I I don't know. Like Montreal has to run the board. It's a tough task, but yeah. Well, they don't have to run the board if Columbus loses. If Columbus loses, Montreal's fine. Yeah, as long as they do run the board, I guess. But yeah, they don't have to. Okay. Um, the West, the Western Wild Card Waste. Um, it it's it's essentially over. It's over. Um, yeah, because the Coyotes have the tie break, so Colorado no. needs to lose. They out. don't have it right now. How do they not have it? They're a regulation win behind Colorado. Oh shit! Look at that. Yeah, I, I was just looking at wins. Arizona does not have the tiebreak. Um, they could still acquire it. Do you have any faith left in our dear, dear, sweet Coyotes? Can you tell me who they play in their final two games? Coyotes are in Vegas, and they host the Jets, which I don't hate. But they need the Avalanche to lose out. The Avalanche host the Jets, and then visit the Sharks. Like, it's not impossible, but they need a lot of help. Like, a, a, a lot of help. And they still need to win these two games, which isn't a guarantee. Because they're going into Vegas. Vegas has kind of been slipping lately, but they still have to go into Vegas. And not bad enough where it's, like, a concern. Like, Vegas just hasn't been playing at a 100-point pace like they were prior to the trade deadline. But, yeah, you know. There's... There's no pressure on Colorado, really. Like, they could lose both of those games, and I think they're still fine. Um, More than likely. Yeah. Uh, I. It would be quite the fucking implosion if it didn't work out. Yeah, that loss to L.A. last night, I think that was the end of the, the run for the Coyotes, unfortunately. Yeah, and, but, you know, fuck, man. Like, it just sucks. Like, And, and this is where it kind of comes back. Like, it's going to be a big off season for John Chaka in terms of his job security, provided he doesn't get fired immediately but like i don't know man this was not a failure on on the players that were there i think this is a failure in terms of the roster you put on the ice now whether or not it was your goal to make the playoffs this year i guess that's a sort of a separate conversation if you have something in mind that that i'm not seeing because they are kind of in the middle of a rebuild but like you kind of made moves to win now mm-hmm. recently so like what were you trying to accomplish this year? And if it was making the playoffs, there's no question in my mind this was never really a roster good enough to do that. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, I was pulling for them. Don't get me wrong. I I wanted them to be in the in the in the playoffs. And you look at all the injury trouble they've gone through this year. It's it's tough. Um, there's to their credit, man, they fucking packed that house they last did. night. Yeah, and that crowd was rocking. Mm-hmm. And that that is one thing I I have to give this fan base because 
As much as I shit on some of these buildings where you see empty seats on a nightly basis, I think there are other factors in the in Arizona than not having a strong fan fan base. Because I think they have a pretty decent fan base. It's not it's not the Leafs, but like they got fans there, man. It's just like the rinks in the middle of fucking nowhere, like Ottawa. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I don't know. Hard to say. Look, I I think this is a roster that if if healthy would definitely be. Well now, pretty into pretty this. much everyone's playing now, but t- basically what late. you're well, I mean, but well, the other thing I would say about that though is just because they're all playing doesn't mean they're healthy. Like Ronta, oh and, sure, sure, Ronta and right. Schmaltz are out. That's what I mean. Like if, I if you're talking fucking, a full health lineup, like I don't know, man. Stepan was supposed to miss the rest of the regular season. He's been back for like three weeks. Yeah, <laughs> like he's played a lot of hockey for a guy that was not supposed to yeah. play again. Yeah, no, Grabner, no, over... same thing. Like Grabner wasn't really supposed to be back. As soon as he was over eighty-two right. games, if if you're yeah playing a full oh yeah full no I, I agree with you I, yeah. I think they lost games to injury and that's I don't know that's just the case um so you're taking Colorado yeah I I I don't know I I'm going to say I'm I'm taking Arizona but only for the sole purpose that I am reluctantly going down with the ship I I I am admitting that this ship is sinking and I don't care mm. I'm dying on this hill. Arizona's making the playoffs. Okay, uh, and you, sorry, who who are we taking in the East? I'm taking like I'm going to stand pat with what it is now. And, Carolina and Columbus. Yeah. Okay, I'm taking Carolina, Montreal. Beautiful. I'm probably wrong. Uh, we also did our season end awards, which is mint because we're uh, we're bad at this. We oh no, I just mean like we uh, we're we're finally getting to the meat and potatoes of the episode, and we're like an hour in. Um, <laughs> so okay, so we did our mid season awards. In January, which was, uh, you know, we did it in parallel of what the PHWA does. They have their own sort of set awards. So they vote on a lot of the actual NHL awards. Uh, Some they don't. They have their own few awards. We're just doing the NHL awards. And there are certain ones you can't vote on. Can't vote on the Jennings Statistic Award. You know, the the Maurice Rockabashard. We also didn't do the Ted Lindsay. Because Ted Lindsay is a player voted award. So in no fantasy universe would we ever have a vote in this unless we were playing in the National Hockey League. Which I don't know about you, I have written off my NHL chances. That's it, eh? Yeah, I'm... Hanging it up? I'm... I'm I think so. 26, that's it. It'd be no, awesome uh, to get a, a an on-ice tryout. And no just, walk-on. Yeah. I'd, I'd look like Wade Belak in the Sportsnet videos where he's trying to remember how to skate. Nice. You know? Love those. So we'll just go down the list and maybe we'll discuss. We have... Uh, for those of you who didn't hear the midseason awards, we have three candidates per award. And, uh, yeah. Okay? Yeah, I don't know what order you have, but you uh, uh, well, feel free to uh, get us yeah. going here. And... The uh, the Jack Adams Award. Jack Adams. The, my midseason, I had taken... Uh... Oh, do you have my midseason? Because I didn't. No. Oh, all right. I didn't, br- I didn't bring my midseasons with me. Uh, well, I remember your midseason. Oh, fantastic. For this one, anyway. Okay. Uh yeah, you don't forget you don't forget a take like this, James. Uh, we'll do our current and then I'll say and then here's what we said midseason. Okay. okay? Uh, so right now, if I if I were to vote, my third candidate is Rod Brindamore. At this point, my second candidate is Barry Trotz. My first candidate and my vote to win the Jack Adams is John Cooper. Okay. Your thoughts, sir. Um, with your. No, just your 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 vote. Oh, okay. Yeah, you, we don't need to pick apart each other's nominations until we see fit. Okay, that's fair. Um, so my uh, third place vote is uh, also Rod Brindamore. Ooh, yeah, nice. So same season. 
Same season. Uh, I next have uh, Rick Tockett on my uh, wow ballot. Just okay. everything that he was able to do with interesting uh, depleted roster. Sure. And uh, John Cooper. Okay. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, for what it's worth, our mid-season votes, um, I had Bill Peters as my third candidate. John Cooper was my second ballot, and Barry Trotz is my first. But I think John Cooper's done enough to overtake that vote. Uh, for what it's worth, James's um, I remember this, and if you listen to the episode, I'm sure you all remember. Uh, James had also voted for Barry Trotz, then John Cooper, and his third vote was Ken Hitchcock of the Edmonton Oilers. That it was. <laughs> that it was indeed. That it is, Edward. Yeah, which, whatever. It was, it was a while ago, except not really, but whatever. Lady Bing. Lady of the Bing. Oh, and for what it's worth, the PHWA uh, had decided as a whole that Barry Trotz was the real winner of the mid-season award. Mm. So, but obviously we don't, we, there's no, <laughs> there's no consensus at this point because we don't know everyone's vote till next Fair. week. Yeah. Uh, the Lady Bing. Uh, my third candidate would be Evgeny Dadanov. My second candidate would be Ryan O'Reilly. And my first candidate would be Sasha Barkov. Alex. Alexander. Berksy. Alexander. Berksy. Uh, James? Uh, yeah. Um, Lady Bing. I, I got um, I got Austin Matthews in third. Okay. I got Ryan O'Reilly in second. Nice. And you know what? I said this at the midseason awards, and I still feel it's time for a defenseman to get some recognition in this award. And okay. uh, I'm, I'm sticking with Morgan Riley as number one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This is one award where it's just I don't I don't really care. Like no. I'm not, I'm not I don't, I'm not really saying like it's a it's a nothing award. Like if I won it, I'd certainly be like, wow, that's awesome. I don't really care who wins. Hmm. I don't have any hard opinions on this one. I think it's a it's a this is a really hard award to to judge because there's so many ways to interpret it. Like you're right. Like Morgan Riley f- f- only having like what does he have 14 penalty minutes this year? Like. Yeah. That's that's pretty impressive, but like there have just been years where it's just like the least penalties award. Like I don't know, like who fucking knows? Like uh, definitely last year I thought Vlasic should have been a nominee and he wasn't because he had like three minor penalties, but he had like one major penalty. So like oh oh no, he has eleven penalty minutes. Can't uh, can't win the Lady Bing now or like twenty six because it was like a fifteen minute penalty minute thing. Like he got ejected one night. Yeah, and I, I don't get it too because like stupid. Like, if you go back and look at the history of the award, like I mentioned, like, defensemen don't win it a lot. Goalies. Like, why can't a goalie win this award? At the end of the day, tell me why a yeah, goalie can't win this well, award. Well, I mean, because, like, the, I, I agree with you. Um, because, like, the definition of the award has nothing to do with penalties. No. It's just, like, who's Sportsman-like, a, who's, who's a very good player that's also gentlemanly? Marc-Andre Fleury comes to mind. I don't know if he's that gentlemanly on the ice, though. Okay. He strikes me as someone who's probably mouthy as fuck. No, flower. Yeah, I, I don't know. But you know what I mean? Like, it's, I, just, it's hey, a weird award. I don't really get it. This hey, man, just... if they want to give Marc-Andre Fleury an award, I wouldn't argue with it. That's Unless fair. it's the Vesna, which I will argue with in a bit. Um, okay, so I went Barkov. You went Riley. Riley. Um, we don't have your votes for this i don't remember what you had i went rally for, for the win i don't remember did you okay i didn't think you did but nominees, uh right. my nominees were number three morgan riley number two austin matthews number one alexander barkov mm. and the uh mid-season consensus for the phwa was alexander barkov mm, fantastic so nothing has changed there as far special. as i'm concerned 
the Frank J. Selkie Trophy ah, for yes. the best defensive forward in the National Hockey League. Mr. Selkie. Uh, if I were to vote today, say I got a vote, uh, my number three choice would be Ryan O'Reilly. My number two choice would be Sidney Crosby. And my number one choice would, uh, again, as it was at the midseason, uh, winger, winger, Mark Stone. Yeah. Um, so uh, for third, I had uh, Sidney Crosby. Uh-huh. Uh, second, I had uh, nice. Sasha Barkov. Okay. And uh, I'm on Team Stone for sure, number I, one. So, like, I okay, I think it's stupid when everyone says... That Barkov's underrated. Because I think everyone now knows Barkov's very good. Barkov's not necessarily underrated. Barkov's just underappreciated. And I think there's a different difference. Okay. Like, he's just not... He just doesn't get... He's in Florida. He doesn't Say get it. the... Yeah, Say it exactly. with me. He's just not on billboards and shit Florida. like that in fucking commercials. Like, he plays for the Florida Panthers. There he is. I, I worked with a guy a couple years ago who, like, didn't even know that the Florida Panthers were a fucking National Hockey League team. Yeah. This guy lives in Thunder Bay. Yeah. Everyone in Thunder Bay knows everything that's happened in the NHL, whether or not to fucking watch hockey. Okay? Thunder Bay hockey players have played for Florida, so... Yeah. Sure. Okay. So, but, like, I dug into his underlying numbers. Nothing... I shouldn't say nothing impressed me. Holy fuck, he is pretty good. Nothing for this award, though, for Barkov to me. Mm-hmm. I, I just, he's not mid-pack. He's higher end. Like, top ten to me. But, like... Top ten? Top ten. But to put him, like... I don't know. Like, he might win this award this year. I don't agree with it at all. Okay. Like, I think these other three, for sure. And I think, like, I can't remember who my fourth guy was. It wasn't Barkov. Like, I cut someone else from this award, and it was not Barkov. Oh, you mean uh, the guy that just owns the award, Patrice Bergeron? No, it wasn't him either. There was someone else. I, I can't remember who it was. I'll think about it. Fair. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like Stone. Stone? We, like, we talked about this. So kind of what I did when I went through this, I spent a few hours on this yesterday. I'm not going to lie. Like, I just dug into some stats, and I just I wanted to have an honest opinion about it. I tried to take every single one of my midseason picks and figure out a reason why they shouldn't win the award. Like, I was like, okay, what is so good about Mark Stone? Every single thing you dig into, he fucking blows me away. Uh, like, when you watch him and when you look at his numbers, I, I don't understand how you could argue against him other than face-offs. Mm-hmm. Just face-offs. But, like, like whatever. Like, you know, if you put him with a good enough centerman, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. He plays with Stasny. <laughs> like, it's not, you know... This isn't rocket science. It's not like Staz needs a just superior defensive forward because he wins the yeah. puck. No. That's important. It Don't helps. get me wrong. But it it's... makes a huge difference. Yeah. But, like, how many, how many fucking centermen have we seen over the years where they're just garbage in terms of puck possession and everything like that, but they can win faceoffs? Why do you think Dave Steckel's out of the league? Mm-hmm. He guy, guy could win more draws than anyone in the league. Paul Gostad. It was a very quick ending for him. Yeah. You know, like, you have to have other things to go with it. You have to think the game. I don't think there's a forward in the league that thinks the game better without the puck than Mark Stone. That's fair. I agree. Uh, my midseason vote was number three, Patrice Bergeron. Number two, Alexander Barkov. <laughs> and uh, number one, Mark Stone. Uh, the PHWA consensus at the midseason award was Alexander Barkov. Oh. Uh, All right. Guy's got a, a guy's got a Corsi under fifty. Just saying. So, uh, um, Florida. The Calder Memorial Trophy for the Rookie of the Year. Uh, my number three is Jordan 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 Jordington. Jordan Bennington. Winning Jordington. Jordington. St. Louis in Jordington. 
number two, Rasmus Dallinington. And number one, Elias Petterington. You? Right. I uh, have number three, uh, Miro Heiskinen. Okay. Uh, number two, Jordan Bennington. And number one, Elias Petterson. No, Dallin. No. Care to care to explain? Sir? I think Heiskinen's the superior player this season, and I don't think Dallin deserves a spot over the other two. So, based on what? I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just curious. It, it, look, like it's it's not like there's a wrong answer. Like all three, all, all four of them have had. Fantastic. I think Heiskinen's a wrong answer. You think Heiskinen's a wrong answer? Yeah, because he wasn't even my number four. Really? I had Andreas Janssen on here until I really, really thought about Jordan Bennington. Andreas Janssen, at rookie. Yeah, technically. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. Um, it was just like, because you're trying to judge on the whole year, which I, I sound sounds ridiculous because Bennington wasn't in the league until January. But, like, Janssen was a little rough around the edges the first bit of the year and has had sort of lapses. But I think he's been hurt. But I, I just think there's more of a case to be said about Bennington because at the end of the day, he's not on mine, and I think it's ridiculous if he is. But I think Bennington's a guy who's going to get Vesna votes. And to me, that's insane. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that 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 in and of itself says something. Because I also had Carter Hart on here. You compare Carter Hart's numbers to Jordan Bennington, like, they've played almost the same amount of games. Bennington blows Hart out of the water. Now, who's going to have the longer, more prosperous career? Well, it's probably Carter Hart. Mm. But this year, who's been better among rookies, more valuable to their team? I think Bennington, Bennington, I, I know we're not arguing Bennington, but, like, I don't know. I, I think I think Darlene's had a, a, a ridiculous year. On a horrifying hockey team, but hard to say. Like I, I look like mind you, he- like Heiskanen has had a good year. I shouldn't say he hasn't. Yeah, Darlene's got you know more points and and granted there, but I mean Heiskanen's a top. He's playing the top unit in Dallas. Like he's on the top pairing of a playoff team. He's over twenty three minutes a night. Darlene is not matching that kind of you know output night in night out. Um, some of the advanced stats. You know, like Darlene's getting more offensive zone uh, face-off starts. You know, it's like, boom, right off the bat, he's he's in the offensive boom. zone. Boom! Yeah, boom, boom. Uh, he's there. He's he's a, he's a presence, uh, an offensive threat. You know, Heiskin's starting a lot of his his shifts in the defensive end, right? And he's got to he's got to play the tough minutes, tough matchups. And I look at that, and 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 for a 19 year old to do that uh, again on a team that's not only in a playoff spot, but like fighting for their playoff lives up until, you know, a couple games ago, I, I was more impressed with with his ability to handle that type of role um, and perform highly in it than I was with Dolly and just, yeah, okay, he's on the second pairing on a crappy Buffalo team and he's having a good year, but he's kind of sheltered. He's not getting those tough matchups. He's he's getting more you know luxur- luxurious opportunities and that's I, I, that's why I like Heisman. Okay. Well, for what it's worth, I think uh, Miro Heiskanen is going to be a very good hockey player. You're and, not uh, wrong. Pretty excited to watch him yeah. in Dallas because uh, the last time Dallas had a really good defenseman, he almost got in the Hall of Fame conversation. Yep. Um, the Norris Trophy win. Uh, speak, speaking of which, a former Norris Trophy nominee, sort of. Um, <laughs> uh, we're talking about Sergei Zubov, who never, never actually officially got a nomination. I don't think um, the Norris Trophy conversation which i think most years it's the heart trophy is like the kind of the fun one yeah this is an interesting one yeah because i i think guys i think we're gonna have one player overlap okay and i think it's gonna be our number one vote but we'll see 
Um, my number three is John Carlson. My number two is Chris Letang. And as much as I want to give it to Chris Letang, Mark Giordano's been just, just, oh my god. Like, this was the one I was talking about earlier. I was trying to figure out ways not to give it Giordano, because, like, everyone's like, Giordano, Giordano. And it's like, has he really been that good? Every fucking thing I look at, it's like, holy fuck, man. Like, he has been remarkable this year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's my number one vote. Yeah, I've got uh, uh, Burns in third. I've got... Which uh, I don't really think is a wrong choice when yeah. a defenseman gets, like, 80 points. <laughs> yeah, is, is 80... Well, is, so, yeah, he'll, he'll, yeah. Get, he'll get yeah. 80, probably, yeah. Right. Yeah, um, yeah I've, got, I've got Burns in third. I've got Morgan Riley in second and Mark Giordano at the top of the list. Okay. So... Um, I I am a little curious on your Riley thought as a guy that watches Riley quite often. Okay. Which uh, why do you like Riley there? He's leading all defensemen in goals, which is doesn't hurt. No, and and year in year out, if you, if you look at all the nominations going back, find me a year where the top defenseman in in goals is not one of the three finalists, and I will gladly. Do you, Do you think though that that makes him one of the best defensemen? To score the most goals, though, because like I like I feel there's there's probably been years like I don't know for sure, but like I would imagine there was a year where like Andy Delmore led the league in goals and like he was not a Norris Trophy winner or like Adrian O'Coin or something like you know what I mean. I'm sure he's an outlier like that who were terrible defensively. Now Riley, it's not terrible defensively, but I I, I just like I I don't know if that is an automatic staple for the award. I think if if you're putting the puck in the other team's net, doesn't hurt. Uh, then you're obviously doing a good enough job of keeping it out of your own net in that regard. Mm-hmm. So he's probably not the best defensive player in my list of guys there. That being said, I also don't have him winning the award. Like yeah. I, I, At the end of the day, I think Mark Giordano has been the better all-around defenseman, uh, both both ends of the ice. Uh, he's He's been a, a phenomenal uh, a player. Uh, at the age he's doing it is even more impressive. Look, I, I think Morgan Riley's got a Norris in his future. I, I don't know if it's it's not going to be this year. Yeah, I think in a, in the next you know three to five years we're going to see him winning that award. Um, and uh, you know what, you're you're not wrong. Like the guys you talked about, John Carlson, Chris Letang, also having very outstanding seasons. There's some really good options on defense this year. It's been yeah. a really good year for defensemen. It's going to be a a tough decision. There's not going to be a wrong answer. Because there are a lot of people, too, who think Hedman is going to win. And, like... Where is he on this list? He's not even in the top ten in scoring. Like, that's wild. Yeah. Like... I mean, he's only played 70 games in the same sense. But, like, to to me, every argument that I hear about Hedman, Chris Letang has been better and has played less games. Like, if you're going to argue to me that a guy who hasn't played a full season... You, not, not you personally... But, like, if you're going to argue to me that a guy who hasn't played a full season should get nominated for this award, Chris Letang is is the point. Because the guy is going to end up missing 17 games worth of a full season. and Or more. Has been almost a point per game. And has been better in every defensive metric than Victor Hedman. Like, every one of them. Yeah. So, Victor Hedman playing on the best team in the world. I'm not saying he's bad because most years my vote is for Victor Hedman or Drew Doughty. I usually pick one of the two, but and, like, and it's not it's not Hedman's year to win it. Sure, it just isn't. And you look at it, and you, you say the same thing about Thomas Shabbat. He's missed yeah. a lot of time as well. He's 
to do what he's doing on the last place Ottawa Senators. Like yeah, there is something to be said. I mean, a lot of his a lot of his stats aren't flattering, but yeah, when you're playing every night with fucking I was gonna say Chris Weidman, he's not even there anymore. He's not even there. Um, but yeah, I mean, like to go back to Riley, like I think there is something to be said for Riley in the sense that he's got 72 points in 80 games and only has seven minor penalties all year. Um, a lot of his defensive stats aren't amazing, and as a guy that watches him every night. He's not always amazing, um, but a lot of that does have to do with carrying certain players up and down the ice, which it's not to say none of these other defensemen have weak defense partners. I mean, fucking Chris Letang plays for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I can only imagine who he plays with some nights, but like, I think that helps Riley's case a little bit because he, he's played a lot of the year with Ron Hainsey. He really didn't play much with Jake Muzzin. He's played almost not at all with Jake Gardner. He's played almost not at all with Travis Dermott, who are the only other three defensemen on the Leafs that I would argue are good. He's got his shirt. Zaitsev's, sure. Zaitsev's bad. Yeah. Hainsey's better, but not by much. Um, you know, if Callie Rosen could shoot right-handed, that'd be great. But he can't. Um I yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know. But regardless, uh, a good season by Riley, a good season by a lot of, of pretty solid defensemen. And another defenseman we didn't even mention, my midseason uh, voting was number three, Eric Carlson. Number two, John Carlson. Number one, Mark Giordano. Eric Carlson's just faded off a little bit. He's been hurt quite a bit, and it's he just doesn't have enough support in other metrics to, yeah. to make a case there anymore. Uh, the PHWA consensus was Mark Giordano. Keith Yandel, 60-point season two. Yeah, like, good for that's... him. I like yeah. Yandel. Very sneaky. Good guy. Yeah. Mint, mint guy to put a mic on, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Vesna Trophy, good sir. I, I'm i going to start from my first ballot and read backwards, because there's not going to be much shock on my first two, I don't think. Okay. Because I really think this race is only... It's between two goalies, and I think the other one deserves it much more than the other, but I'm sure there's an argument made to be made for the other one. My number one vote is Andre Vasilevsky. My number two vote is Freddie Anderson. Number three could have been one of about five other guys. I I pick Carey Price. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Vass uh, number one, Anderson number two, and Mark Andre Fleury number three. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, the, the Fleury's an interesting one, right? Because it is like his numbers aren't incredibly flattering. No, flower. But he's played sixty games, and not a lot of goalies have. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And he's been out for a while. Like he would have ended up playing sixty-five to seventy games. Like he would have Price type games played i think he's not a young man anymore no the argument against price is he was not good the first half of the year i think part of the actually possibly detrimental some nights i think part of the argument against price to some degree is even like we all have this tendency to compare carrie price against what carrie price used to be (laughs) it's like i'm sorry carrie price is never going to be a 930 goaltender ever again so pretty close to being carrie price this year yeah like so if 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 you're in shouting distance of what could be considered the greatest goaltending season of the lockout era then yeah you know you're you're not doing too bad then but the problem is is that you're comparing him against what he was and Mm -hmm. it's never going to be enough to some so yeah there's some honorable mention i think here like I mean, uh, I think I think there needs to be a certain... You need to rank in, like, the top 10 games played, I think, to win this award as a goalie. Or maybe not top 10. Top 20. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, you need to be a legitimate starting goaltender for most of the year. 
unless you do something spectacular. So that's the argument, I think, against Jordan, Jordan Bennington, because Bennington's been phenomenal. He's only played 30, 30 games, and he only started 28 of them. Um, ben Bishop played 45 games. He It was between him and Price for me. Um, you know, Flurry's played a lot, but hasn't been spectacular. But it's because that he, I mean, he's been pretty good. But like, is that because he hasn't played a lot? Uh, Darcy Kemper took over the job, has done a great job. He was another one I considered. And the other guy I kind of had to abandon because, again, didn't play that well the first half of the year was Matt Murray, who's now a 920 goaltender. Well, so while they played since I, I looked last, he's now 919. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Last time I checked, Matt Murray was like an 885 goalie or something like that. And I also uh, I was also going to nominate him because I told uh, you that he would win the Vesna Trophy award mm, at the beginning of the year. Yeah, and like we're also like we have to consider the fact that John Gibson has just fallen off the radar. But that doesn't mean the body of work he had for the first three or four months of the season is discredited. Oh, like, oh no, he he was the blow away favorite yeah. for the midseason award because what he did the first half of the year was absolutely fucking remarkable. Anytime you can save a man's job for an extended period of time. Yeah. That's that's probably what's going to cost him the Hart Trophy Award, too. He's not valuable to his team because he cost him a fucking playoff spot because Randy Carlisle stuck around too long. Probably. Um, My three for the Vesna at the mid-trophy. Look at that. A couple changes. Robin Leonard was third. Hmm. Frederick Anderson still caught in second. And John Gibson was first. Right on. Uh, the PHWA consensus for the Vesna Trophy at the halfway point was John Gibson. What is it? Oh, do we have it now or no? It was John Gibson. No, do we, do we have their current? Well, uh, they, they can't vote till next week. I so. see. I they see. also don't vote on that award, they so don't. it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Okay. The, uh, the Masterton Trophy. Now, this award, perseverance, dedication, and hard work, it's... it's Something like that. Yeah. No, no, hard work. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. The Bill Masterton Memorial Trophy is uh, annually awarded to the National Hockey League player who best exemplifies the qualities of perseverance, sportsmanship, and dedication to ice hockey. Mm. I like how they specify ice hockey. (laughs) He doesn't try when he's at the rink, but boy does he love ball hockey. We did not do a mid-season vote for this because this is not a PHWA mid-season award. Um... I did a mid-season uh, breakdown. You, you did, yeah. Uh, which was, I guess, for what it's worth. Or, I nah. remember. I remember who won. I can't remember who okay. my runners-up were. Well, so the way this award works is every year teams pick one player from their team as their nomination. So there are actually thirty players nominated for this award, or thirty-one uh, players nominated for this award, uh, and we know these nominations now. So I picked based on who's been nominated. Um, my my three. Uh, my third choice is from the Ottawa Senators, John Gabriel Pajot. Uh, my number two choice would be Corey Crawford of the Chicago Blackhawks. And uh, my number one is Robin Leonard of the New York Islanders. It, this award's always tough because I think, I think in most cases all 31 nominees usually deserve it. Uh, it's usually less than 31. Because, I mean, A, we only just got a 31 team. But also there are years where teams will not nominate a player. And I'm not really sure why 
this year every team did, which I've never seen before. But um, it's nice that everyone did because I think this is an awesome award to be nominated for. This would be one that I would love to get nominated for if I were a player because this is a, this is a pure work ethic and dedication to hockey type award. And I think if you're a National Hockey League player, there's a, there's not probably better awards to win, but this is a pretty damn honorable one, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got a clean sweep. All goalies. Oh, okay. I thought I thought you were going to say we have three nominations, and it was saying three nominations. Mm-hmm. That's not exciting. Uh, number three, I have Corey Crawford. Okay. Number two, I have Curtis McElhinney. Okay. And number one, Robin Leonard. Yeah. So. Yeah, I I always consider like off ice factors. My my next guy would have been Patrick Eaves, and to be honest with you, I, Eves, I, I yeah. kind of I, don't Eves know, or Crawford I, I could go me. either way on yeah. on Eaves or, or Pajot to me because uh, Eaves is probably more of a difficult situation. Um, but I think the fact that Pajot even came back this year was kind of yeah. spectacular. Like there was talk about whether or not he would come back. They didn't really need him back. By coming back, he may have been punching his own ticket out of town. Mm-hmm. So like it, it was kind of a difficult thing. Good for him for coming back. Um, you can't take anything away from Crawford or Leonard uh, or McElhinney in a sense. Um, yeah, not too many guys can get waived and, and find a starting position somewhere no. else. Cra- Crawford, I mean, McElhinney kind of reminiscent of Dubnik in a way, right? Yeah, a little bit. Um, Crawford, we had a podcast earlier this Well, we have a podcast. You're listening to it. This is List Up. <laughs> um, we, we thought Crawford would never play again. Yeah. We both kind of agreed with that, and we hoped he would, and he, and he has. And to his credit, I don't even know if we hoped he would. I, I actually I honestly kind of hoped he didn't. That he was it. I, I, we hoped that he would be healthy enough to play again. Sure, he definitely seems to be. And having watched him play a few times since he's been back, uh, this is some of the better hockey I've seen Corey Crawford ever play. Yeah, <laughs> like something, he's, something's he's, going on. This is the first time I think I've ever said this. Corey Crawford has looked pretty good this year. <laughs> like what? <laughs> Yeah, I'm not a Crawford guy, but I mean, good for him. And you know what? I, I think it's awesome. But what what Robin Leonard has gone through, not just the past year, but for years, for possibly his whole life, to to get where he is now. Some guys it's just one of the better comeback stories in the history of the NHL. I think like some, some guys just can't handle playing in Buffalo. You know. <laughs> Yo, you mean guys that got traded there this summer? That yeah. none of them are left. Oh. Um. Yeah, I mean, and listen, you know what? Leonard Leonard kind of got, not blasted, but got a little bit of feedback this week by commenting that Buffalo was a, a I forget how he worded it, but a, a yeah, just a bunch of negativity, a constant, a constant stream of negativity or something like that. And listen, I, I mean, I think you take Leonard's comments out of context a little bit too. Like, first off, it was a bunch of negativity because was where he suffered the most mm-hmm. personally. So why the hell would he want to stay somewhere where he's had the most difficult years of his life? Um, secondly, he's not wrong. Like some of the teams he was on was filled with just bratty, bad attitudes. Sort Like it was just the wrong group of people to play together. It's not to say none of these guys are bad people or shouldn't be in the league, but they need to be surrounded by certain types of people. It was just the wrong group of people to put together in a room. 
And it's probably a position within their organization where they overlooked some personality characteristics and things like that when they built their team. I hate to say I told you so, but as soon as Buffalo started bringing in certain guys, I was like, this team is not going to mesh well. And lo and behold, here we are, and almost none of them are left there. But going back to Robin Leonard, what he's done this year, I mean, look, look, I'm the last guy that's going to cheer for the Islanders, but the only reason I would is because Robin Leonard's in that. Mm-hmm. And pff, I wish him nothing but success currently and moving forward. Yeah. And to be honest with you, I hope he signs somewhere else and does even better. Hmm. <laughs> uh, all right. The meat and potatoes. Meat and potatoes. Hard trophy award. Yeah, yeah. You go first. Uh, my number three is Johnny Gaudreau, Calgary Flames. My number two. Johnny Ham and Cheese. Yeah, that's the one. That's him. That's how he's known. That's him. Uh, number two is Sidney Crosby. And number one is Nikita Kucherov. You see? That's so so like sad to say it. Yeah. Uh, my number three is Sidney Crosby, yeah. um, and part of me wants to put him number two. I gotta I gotta give respect where respect is due to Connor McDavid, because I'm not a big fan of the Hart Trophy winner coming from an awful hockey team. But I cannot imagine how bad this team would be without Connor McDavid. I literally can't imagine. I can't imagine. That is one of the worst teams I've ever seen in my life. There you go. Number one is Nikita Kucherov. I don't think there's much debate this year. Like, I just, like, Pittsburgh, Murray's been better. But, like, they wouldn't be anywhere close to this fucking race without Sidney Crosby. Like, let's 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 be honest here. Kessel playing on the third line would then have to play on the second line. Malkin has been kind of wishy-washy. A bit of a sketch bag this year. Yeah. Like, this has been the Sidney Crosby show, man. And we've seen the Sidney Crosby show before. But this guy has single-handedly done it this year, I think. Jake Gensel, too, eh? Oof. Having a year. I'll give him that. Yeah, Gunsey's all right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and just McDavid, that, that is the worst team I've ever seen. I have to give him credit. That is like a, we're sorry they put you through this sort of nomination on my behalf, because uh, I I can't imagine. Mm. Um, we were going to discuss his comments from this week, but we're probably going to run out of time. Um, do you read much into what he said, though? No. No? No. Okay. It's a tough situation. I, I d- the guy's upset is after a game. Oh, yeah, for sure. And he, and he has yeah. every right to be upset. Yeah. Like, I don't think that, that... And that's one thing, like, most people won't take away from him. He does have the right to be upset. Definitely. For sure. Oh, yeah, by the way, uh, my mid-season voting for the heart, uh, number three, Nikita Kucherov. Number three? Yeah. Okay. I don't remember that, but that's fine. Yeah. Uh... I think he's been a little more impressive in the second half. Sure, sure. Was still very good the first half. All right, But All right. the second half, he's kind of blown me away. Uh, number two was Connor McDavid, because Edmonton was still in the playoffs. Yeah, they were still alive. <laughs> They're probably still in the, they were, might have been in a playoff spot at no, that point. Number, number one was John Gibson. Uh, uh-huh. the, the PHWA consensus at the halfway point was Nikita Kucherov, and I would be pretty surprised if the end-of-the-year consensus yeah. is not Nikita Kucherov, but... Whatever, good to whoever wins. I think for for what it's worth, like going back to your nominees too, the number four would be Johnny Gaudreau if I had four votes. A yeah. lot of cases they get five. We yeah. should we could have done Hammer, five. Hammer McKinnon. I'd still go Gaudreau. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't know. He's he's won me over in the second half too. He's another one. Good. Um, 
quick mention uh, the Arizona Coyotes as a April Fool's joke tweeted out that uh, Oliver Ekman Larson would be starring in the 24th season of The Bachelor. In Sweden. Not like The Bachelor here. The no, Swedish no, Bachelor. no. It would be The Bachelor here was the thing. But it would be filmed in Sweden was the joke. Oh, okay. Which like, that. that was the whole thing. Like everyone's reading that and we're like, how the fuck is that going to work? Like it's going to air on American Fox, but... <laughs> But it's oh, going to okay. be in Swedish? See, I took it as being, like, what? Swedish Bachelor. No, but... I don't think there is one. <laughs> is there I have no idea. Swedish Bachelor? Could have fooled me. The Bachelor Sweden. Oliver Hedmiller's. Imagine. Imagine it was real, and I, I, I didn't realize that it's a joke. Oh, no, there is a there is a Swedish Bachelor. Bachelor The Bachelor Winter Games. <laughs> what the hell is this? <laughs> Presented by Chris Harrison? Tell me more right now. <laughs> oh, oh, this apparently is American. Yeah, everything is. Oh, well, I'd, I'd watch that. Okay. Hopefully they do the Bachelor Winter Games again uh, does next take, winter. Does it take place in a kitchen? <laughs> <laughs> Why? You're a big kitchen guy. Oh, I'm down. <laughs> uh, the Bachelor Winter Games. Hosted by me, Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> Fuck me. Take it a piss, yeah? Beef Wellington. <laughs> um, uh, qu- quick mention before we get to our top 10 uh, because this sort of ties into what our top 10 will be a discussion about um, it is looking increasingly likely by the day that uh, this will likely be the end of Roberto Luongo as an on-ice hockey player I can't imagine you have a take where he's going to have some sort of a Bill Masterton-like winning season next year um, and and make quite the comeback. He is really really banged up, and time is not on his side. Um, are you sad? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Why why not? I don't know. Everybody dies. <laughs> I can't fuck with them all, you know. <laughs> Well, yeah, like, I've got no, like, heartfelt connection to the guy. No? Like, he played think, for Florida and Vancouver. I think having I him around the game, though, like, I think he's just been a fun guy to, he's like, everyone can kind of get behind. No, but, like, he's just a guy, like, to have him in the league, to see him play well. Like, he's been a, 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 a constant fixture of the NHL. This is the first year where he's not been, like... A dominant figure and now it's like it's never going to happen again because he's been a top 10 goaltender in the league basically every year since i've been watching hockey okay now it's over i don't know that's it's nice i guess you're not gonna miss roberto luongo at all all. do you like roberto luongo he's okay why don't you like roberto luongo i I feel like he's like the most like universally liked player in the league probably oh who is thornton I thought you were going to say McDavid. Am I? Absolutely not. Lundqvist. Uh, I don't know about Lundqvist, but maybe Thornton. Okay. I feel like I know people that don't like Lundqvist. Really? But, well, Devils fans. But really? like... Yeah, maybe, yeah. But, well, and Islanders fans, because I don't like anyone. Yeah, Thornton, maybe. Thornton's going to be sad, too, though. Like, I think of Luongo in the same light as Thornton. Really? Yeah. That's wild. No? No. So it doesn't bother you, Roberto Luongo is never going to win a he cup? He should have retired two years ago. Oh my god. Why? He's not good. What do you mean? He's been bad for a while now. He had a fine year last year. No, he year. didn't. Oh I'm looking it up. Oh my god. 
I, I think it's going to be upsetting that he's going to leave without winning a Stanley Cup because I think he deserves one. No, he doesn't. And I, I think he's fought really hard. He's, he's fought the good fight. Uh, and you, you could make the argument that he's uh, a bad figure in the way that John Gibson is because the only reason the Florida Panthers still exist is because Roberto Luongo played in the NHL. He hasn't played more than 40 games the last three seasons. He had That's what I mean, though. He had a good run when he was healthy at points. Yeah, I guess. For, no. for Florida. Anyway. Uh, Roberto Luongo likely to announce his retirement within the next uh, few weeks. Well, unofficially. Because he's going to take the rest of his money that he's owed and go on the IR yeah. Plus next year. True. But, um, yeah. So, it is what it is. End, end of... End of End of Bobby Lou. Everyone retires. It's it's fine. Well, not always the case. Because sometimes you're just forced to fade into the sunset. Much like Roberto Luongo might do, uh, we are on to our top ten. Top ten. Top ten. Top ten. There we go. Um, would Roberto Luongo make this list hypothetically if that's the way his career ends? Who's to say? No. But the top ten this week is... <laughs> Yeah, not if you have anything to say about it. <laughs> the top ten this week is... Uh, it's it's the top ten players who didn't get a proper retirement. I guess, I guess is what it is. Um, the criteria for this didn't top ten... Didn't get to 10, leave under their own... Under yeah. their own terms. It, it, it's players who essentially had to leave because of an injury, is what we did. Now, we didn't... We misunderstood each other when we picked this top ten. Now, we ended up doing the top ten, and, and it actually worked out pretty well. Uh, what we thought the top ten was going to be was the top ten careers, like the top ten what could have been, the top ten potential careers that we lost way too early. I was thinking guys that retired at like 25, 28. What we ended up doing were the top ten guys who would have got their Gretzky uh, skate around the ice for 20 minutes waving at the crowd sort of send off. Maybe not to that extent, but even like a Ryan Smith type five minutes, you know what I mean, standing ovation sort of thing. A lot of these players probably would have got something like that a lot of these players are hall of fame players maybe all of them actually i don't even remember who ended up being on the top 10 but uh regardless we got 10 very very good hockey players here who probably deserved a a nicer retirement than they got but unfortunately had to be phased out because of an injury so uh james you have the top 10 on your phone you're gonna have to read them one by one fun fun fact only only one of our guys are, are not a hall of famer Okay, I'll, I'll try to pick it when we get to him. Uh, you'll know it right away. Okay. Uh, number 10 is Al McInnes. He's not in the Hall of Fame, He's not in the Hall of Famer. Is he? Yeah. When did he go in? 08? Uh, <laughs> That'd be meant if I got it right, like I knew it, but it's like, ah, oh, when did he go in? You mean November 11th, 07. 2007? Yeah, Al, Al McInnes, uh, for those of you who don't remember, because I'm sure a lot of you don't, because, uh, you know, we got a millennial fan base and everyone is probably too young. Uh, Al McInnes uh, was forced to retire because of a detached retina. And uh, he tried to make a comeback. Then we had our labor dispute and missed our season uh, in 2004-2005. And he announced his retirement on September 9th, 2005, uh, because he felt like he would no longer be able to play the game at, uh, at a high level. But uh, he took a stick in the eye in 2001, and uh, that sort of impaired his vision, and he never could quite play the right way anymore. Yeah, um... Worth noting, he was the runner-up for the Norris Trophy his last Sorry, full 2004, season. Sorry, 2004, my bad. 68 points as a 40-year-old. Mm-hmm. So, not, mm-hmm. not bad. Could have could have probably played another couple years for sure. 
Yeah. Mind you, the lockout takes us all, so. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Number nine. Mark Savard. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't remember Mark Savard. Not a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Uh, probably would have been, though. Could have been close. I think. Yeah. This is another one, like, he is one of the maybe, one of the only guys that would overlap on our future career what could have been because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, Mark Savard was not young when he retired but he was at the height of his career when he first got hurt 2009-2010 uh, he took a hit I believe that was the Matt Cook one uh, but basically Mark Savard suffered several serious concussions uh, one of which was a grade 2 concussion which is pretty significant um, Mark Savard would only play uh 66 games following his first concussion or first diagnosed one and was forced to retire in 2010-2011 barely getting his name on the Stanley Cup that he worked so hard to help bring the Bruins to prominence after Mm -hmm. signing there and uh, almost didn't get a ring or his name on the cup yeah one of my favorite players of all time one of the few Bruins I could respect that's saying a lot yeah if I'm getting a Bruins jersey that's the one yeah and uh I mean, his his whole career, there's, there's three years that he played full seasons, and uh, he, like whether it was injuries or just inconsistent play early on, he uh, he didn't he didn't play a lot, but he always produced when he did. He was always re- right around that point per game threshold, uh, seven hundred six points in eight hundred seven games, like. You know, the guy plays a couple hundred more games. He's he's probably in the thousand point club. You're, you're maybe talking about a Hall of Famer at that point. So tough, tough, tough situation to see for uh, a genuinely really nice guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's moved into broadcasting, and uh, although I don't agree with all of his perspectives, I think he's fantastic at it, and uh, I'm very excited to see him back around the game of hockey because he very clearly loves it, and mm-hmm. uh, and I love Mark Savard. So good for him. Uh, number eight. Number P- number eight Peter? is uh, old Peter Glass Ankles Forsberg. Peter, it is time for the flat meeting. Peter Forsberg, yeah. uh, possibly a vampire. Uh, he, uh, for, for those of you who don't know, <laughs> which I'm sure you do, and if you don't know who Peter Forsberg is, I mean, a why you listen to this podcast, but b you should definitely Google him because he was. Uh, Pretty fucking good hockey player. Um, I didn't really like him. Okay. He is, um, if we ever do a top ten of players I wish I appreciated more while they were in the league, he's towards the top of the list. Because uh, I didn't like him, and he was awesome. He was awesome. Uh, Peter Forsberg, for example, um, did not play in 2001 to 2002 at all during the regular season. He played in the playoffs. Didn't play one regular season game. Uh, he had his spleen removed that summer. Same. And his uh, health began to deteriorate. Same. And uh, <laughs> uh, he decided to take the whole season off to recuperate. He returned for the playoffs and led the team in scoring with 27 points in 20 games. <laughs> because, of course. Yeah. Um, Peter Forsberg only played 39 games in 03 04. Um, and. I don't think combined for a full... No, he did. He played 120-something games after the lockout-shortened season uh, in 2005. 
between 2005 and 2011. Played about 120 games in the National Hockey League. Mm-hmm. It's really quite a shame because when Peter Forsberg did play during all those shortened seasons, he was a point-per-game player or or well above one. Um, in 2010-2011 was the only instance where he wasn't and he only played two games. And I believe it was like a minus six in those two games. It was, right. it was definitely over when it was over. It would have been interesting to get another 400 games of Peter Forsberg. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, well, if he's a Hall of Fame player now, <laughs> like, yeah, he uh, he probably could have scored like 1,500, 1,600 points. Yeah. So. A dominant player. Yeah. And, yeah, it's a shame. Uh, because even in his, uh, in his, in his prime, like, was he even healthy? Right? Like, we, we don't really know. Clearly he wasn't. Look, look at his rookie season. He never played a I full 82-game uh, season after uh, 95-96. You're, you're talking a rookie season that was shortened by a lockout. Like, tack on another 30 points there. Tack on a, mm-hmm. a season's worth of play during, you know, the full lockout. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, yeah, this guy's chasing down some history. Yeah, so. very easily could have been like a 1,400, 1,500-point score. Oh, yeah. C'est la vie. Here we are. So, uh, Peter Forsberg, number eight. Peter Forsberg. Who do we got? Number seven. Right, number seven, our old buddy. Doug Gilmore. Oh, shit. I didn't know we were getting to this that soon. All right. Well, kids, let me teach you about the most depressing game in the history of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Because, uh... Not, it, not just the Toronto Maple Leafs. It wasn't the 2013... Uh, it wasn't the 2013 collapse against Boston. Because if you're, uh... I don't know. 25 to 60. You'll remember the game where Doug Gilmore got traded back to the Toronto Maple Leafs. As a, what was he, 39-year-old? 40-year-old, something like that? He was, he was well over 40. Yeah. It was uh, at the trade deadline. He was 40. Yeah. In 2003. And what made the trade so sweet is the Leafs gave up a sixth-round pick and acquired him from Montreal. Like, it was just like, let's get one of the greatest captains in franchise history off of that cesspool Canadian team and back where he belongs. And on his second shift, as he stepped onto the ice, Dave Lowry, who was skating backwards, collided with Gilmore and tore Gilmore's ACL. And Gilmore missed the rest of the season. Gilmore got to come back and play for the Leafs for one shift until he was injured and couldn't play again. Like... It would have been better if 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 hindsight was twenty twenty. We knew this was going to happen. If he could have just gone out for that shift, skated around with his stick in the air, and then just gone off the ice, it would have been like, oh, that was pretty cool. Doug Gilmore got to retire. So what? They got scored on while he was skating around like an idiot, and it was five on four. Who cares? We got to clap and wish Dougie goodbye. No, he got to get. I, I don't think they stretched him off because he was so close to the. So close to the bench, but it was like, they had to like carry him to the dressing room. A 40-year-old grown man who is one of the top 10 greatest players in the history of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Consider this. Just, just I don't wanna. come with me for a second. I don't want to. Two weeks later, the Leafs acquired, and, and mind you, one of these guys may not have been there had Gilmore been healthy. But uh, it me. was all together. He was at the deadline. The Leafs acquired... He was a 230 deal at the deadline, but still. In January? It was it was right at the deadline. 2003 oh. NHL okay. trade deadline. Either way, Ron Francis. Yeah. Brian Leach. Yeah. Ed Belfour. Wasn't he already there? Doug Gilmore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Matt Sundin. Yeah. Joe Neuendijk. 
Owen Nolan. Alex McGilney. Owen Nolan. Owen Nolan. But I'm just talking like yeah, Hall yeah. of Fame caliber. We had a discussion about the the greatest D- hockey teams D- ever. Dude, we acquired one of the greatest defensemen in the history of the Washington Capitals, and he sat in the press box most nights. Cal Johansson only got in eight oh, Ken- games. Oh, I think Ken Cleet. Oh, Ken. <laughs> no, Sylvain Cote, actually. Yeah, and then John Ferguson Jr., who I still have not forgiven, um, had the audacity not to offer that guy a contract. He was 41 years old. He was older than John Ferguson Jr., but, you know, yeah, whatever. Saddest day of my life. Saddest? And I've lost some grandparents. That was the saddest, though? Even just as a Leaf fan, was that the saddest? You know how excited I was to see Doug Gilmore back? I, I, I would say... Yeah, I don't know. That, that was, was the first time in my life. Wrong. I was up there. That was one. Of, that was the first time in my life I went out of my way to watch a Leaf game. Fuck, man. We should do a top ten saddest moments as a Leaf fan. <laughs> can we do it on like the eve of us winning a cup, maybe, so we Fuck. can survive that? Oh, man. Like, blow my brains out after that conversation. Because, like, I'm just, we're talking about it, and I'm like, well, what's the saddest I ever was? Well, Joseph leaving was pretty sad. But Gary Roberts also left too. But Matt Sundin also left. See, Joseph came then back. Then there was the 2013 thing. Yeah, Joseph came back. Jo- now, that's why Joseph doesn't get on this list. Joseph went out pretty much how he deserved to go out. I mean, like, he was a fucking shell in a shootout. Yeah, he was like a 9, or he was like an 8, <laughs> 10 goalie by then. But, like, whatever. Yeah. What are you going to do? Anyway, anyway, Doug Gilmore, yeah. rest in peace. No, well, not really, but he's still alive, but... It feels like we lost him in a tragic accident. Number six, Paul Correa. Fuck, this is a depressing top ten. Uh, Paul Correa, who, um, I mean, Paul Correa is sort of a, I don't know if he's a point of tension among hockey fans. He's certainly a point of tension for the National Hockey League. Um, he's definitely got some tension with the National Hockey League. Paul Correa was limited to 800, or sorry, 989 games. Uh, he had 989 points in that time. Amazing. More than likely, Paul Correa would have gone on to play, I don't know, 1,200 games, probably. Probably, uh, probably would have got 1,150 to 1,250 points uh, because Paul Correa was pretty solid till the end. His last year in St. Louis, he only got 43 points in 75 games. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to confirm this because I haven't been, I'm not around there and I'm not reporting this, but I have heard that Paul Correa played a lot of that season possibly concussed and with some other injuries that for sure existed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you take that away from him. This guy was a point-per-game player every minute of his NHL career. Yeah. And uh, he, outstanding. Like, one of the better wingers of our lifetime. You could make the argument there was a brief point where he... Probably would have been the face of the NHL had he not played in Anaheim, but he did play in Anaheim. So I I could be wrong. I probably am. Sure, probably. but I think he's the only player cool to hold the franchise record for points in a season for two different franchises. I could be wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I, no one else is coming to mind right away. One hundred and eight for Anaheim. I don't think anyone's ever had more than one hundred and eight. It's eighty five for for Nashville. I think it's eighty five. I'll look it up. Anyway, keep talking about Paul Korea. Paul Korea, had he played 20 years later, 
probably oh, could God. have been. Could you the, could you imagine Paul Correa in today's NHL? He would have been the greatest hockey oh, player in the God. history with, of the game with a freaking non-wooden stick. <laughs> he played with a wooden stick for a while. Like, sorry, Wayne who? Like, well, Paul I Correa. Mean... <laughs> no, I'm serious. There's, he was the now, greatest. How player. dare you insult Wayne Gretzky, who would be the greatest? I meant Wayne third Cashman. line winger in the league right now. Wayne Cashman. No, but. The, yeah, Paul Correa is the uh, all-time all-time leading point getter for the Nashville Predators. Uh, second on the list is Paul Correa. <laughs> There's that much of a gap. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. kind of depressing. Who? Who? Holy fuck! I gotta look at their stats from this year. But go on. Uh, yeah. No, he's uh, he deserved better. He was the type of guy that you know you, you just got excited to watch play the game of hockey. He went to the finals the one year with the Ducks, you know, tragically, in hindsight, a devastating hit that I don't don't think any of us fully could comprehend uh, at the time, Uh, but a play that just kind of led to his perceived uh, dominance over the sport, you know, coming back and scoring an overtime winner in the playoffs like he did, and... Uh, yeah, it's kind of tough because, like, for a while, yeah. and still, like, honestly, you could make the argument now, but it's tainted. Like, him scoring that goal and Gary Thorne going off the floor on the board, Paul Correa, may honestly be the greatest during game call in the history of the NHL. Like, it might be. Because a lot of the iconic calls we think about are, like, Olympic moments or, like, oh, post-game maybe. or pre-game or, like, that maybe one of the most iconic of our generation yeah is remembering that and for the longest time it was and, and now it's it's a point of tension because like there's a reason why it hasn't been used as the intro soundbite on this podcast and probably never will mm-hmm. because it represents a moment where we all very seriously misunderstood how serious concussions were and it represents a moment where Paul Correa doesn't remember it happening and to me it's hard to sort of reconcile our appreciation for that when we know what we know now. Yeah, it's it's tough. Like on one hand, it was. I mean, it's it sucks to say. It's kind of, in a way, a blessing that you have someone like Paul Correa, who's had this happen to them and has such an amazing perspective over it. And I really hope he becomes a bigger part of the National Hockey League in the future because I think Paul Correa could be incredibly valuable to the sport and to the league. Uh, what he knows and his perspective on what happened to him. and um, But somebody had to go through the gate first kind of thing. Yeah, right? and it's, mm. you know, I mean, you could argue Eric Lindros did, but I think Paul Correa got treated a little bit differently than, than Eric Lindros. Like, I think, I don't know. It's, it's And Lindros played the game in a way that you expected certain things, and Correa didn't. I don't Correa think... wasn't supposed to be the guy that got the concussions because he played the game at a, a more yeah. respectable finesse level eric lindros was cognizant of what was happening to him too yeah all right i'm not really sure paul Correa fully understood what was happening at the time despite the fact paul Correa, before this all happened being literally you know he's gone on record of you know his school performance paul Correa may have been one of the smarter people in north america like you know what i mean and and now he he's very average in the way his brain and his body works because his brain has slowed down to uh, you know to be a, a mortal mm-hmm. <laughs> he's now he's now one of us muggles yeah yeah it's tough but paul Correa, you know he was awesome another player i wish i appreciated more yeah 
That takes us to our next player on the list. Patty Boy? Pat Lafontaine. Ah, uh, Patty Boy. Oh, Pat oh, Lafontaine. Oh, Pat Lafontaine. Uh, I don't think he was Irish. No. The guy never left New York. The state of New York uh, no. got to enjoy many a year of Pat Lafontaine. Between yeah. the Islanders, the Sabres, and the Rangers, uh, he had uh, 1,013 uh, points in 865 games. Um a dominant offensive force cut down quite early by concussions. I believe he was 33 when he was forced to retire from the game. And just ridiculous. Some of the some of the numbers he put up in a 148-point season is, is just unfathomable in today's world. Um, uh, he uh, topped 100 points uh, a couple other times. But just, uh, like I said, a, a purely offensive dynamo in terms of uh, his output and uh similar to paul korea just you know the, the body can only take so much and eventually the concussions became uh, too much uh the guy still played you know 67 games his last season putting up 62 points so there was something to be said about his uh, longevity like he was still competitive uh despite the injuries he was going through so yeah i don't know pat lafontaine just what could have been if he had another, you know, th- three, four, six, seven seasons. So yeah, uh, if he had played longer, we would probably know him now as the greatest American-born player in the history of the NHL. Um, Still could be. Yeah, you're right. As of right now, probably isn't. He lost. He lost a legacy. He's still, you know, inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame, but um, he lost a lot. Forty-six goals in fifty-seven games. Yeah, he's in okay too. He's okay. Wow, that was all. That was all. Ray Ferraro. Yeah. Uh, who's next? <laughs> forgot. I forgot who's next. I was trying to remember the whole time you were talking. Who's that, next? That was Ray Ferraro. Well, he wasn't playing with Ray Ferraro that year, but no. Uh, number four is Pavel Bure. Oh God, how could I forget? Son of a bitch. Fuck me. <laughs> um. Yeah. Oh, fuck this. This top ten sucks. It's all getting. <laughs> it's it's all gonna be pretty similar from oh, this point this forward, sucks. Right? but. Uh, I mean, like, we all know Pavel Bure was good. Like, we all know this. There's a very real chance that if Paul, or if Paul Korea, if Paul Korea could have stayed healthy, if Pavel Bure could have stayed healthy, um, there's a very, very real chance that Alexander Ovechkin would be chasing down Pavel Bure's goal total and not Wayne Gretzky's goal total. Um, because... Not to take anything away from Wayne Gretzky, but I do consider Pavel Bure to be the greatest goal scorer in the history of the game. And uh, I only recently maybe would give that to Ovechkin, but I have always sort of considered... Like, I'm not going to sit here and say Gretzky wasn't the best player of all time. Um, But I I, I think what Pavel Bure was able to do in his short time in the National Hockey League was nothing short of incredible... 437 goals in 702 career NHL games. Uh, He scored 60 goals twice. He almost reached 62 more times. He led the playoffs in goals in 93-94 with 16 in 24 games. Uh, And he was a freak of nature. Um, Probably what hurt Beret was uh, he was too fast. Too fast to play hockey, probably. Another guy, yeah, 
give me Pavel Bure today, and holy shit, would he be good. Yeah. Ah. If Pavel Bure could have been Valeri Bure's son, not his brother, we'd be better <laughs> sure. off, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I, I alluded to the uh, Korea holding uh, point total records for two franchises. Pavel Bure absolutely has the goal-scoring titles for two different franchises. And not only that, I can tell you this much, he's in second place for both those teams as well. He has the top two goal-scoring individual seasons Mm-hmm. twice for both Vancouver and Florida. It's not even close. Had he played more than 51 games over two years for the Rangers, he could have theirs too. Yeah, it's because a... in 51 games for the Rangers, he got 30 goals. It's not a high benchmark to pass. He's on so... pace for 50. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Let's let's talk about a more uplifting story. I'm sad about Burry. Oh, Uplifting is what you're looking for. Yeah. Well, Just I tell got me the next one's. A I happy got ending. news for you. Who was the next one? Eric Lindros oh. is an uplifting story. Tell me about him, James. Well, Eric Lindros <laughs> was uh, quite possibly uh, the uh, the heir apparent to the title of greatest hockey player in the world, as Wayne Gretzky's career was coming to an end. Eric Lindros's was beginning. Unfortunately, his nickname was the next one. Yes. Unfortunately, uh, Mr. Lindros played for a team called the Philadelphia Flyers that treat their players like garbage and don't allow them to get properly checked out for medical issues. Yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're a hockey fan and you're not really familiar with much more uh, about Eric Lindros other than the fact that he had concussions, um, you, you should do some research because... Uh, this is one topic I will say for sure we don't have enough time to go into. Nope. Uh, I mean, even if we hadn't gone long today, uh, this is a story possibly worth an episode in and of itself. Um, but yeah, Eric Lindros was mistreated as a member of the Philadelphia Flyers. Let's not uh, let's not kid ourselves here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, uh, one of the most dominant players I've ever watched. Yeah. He was incredible. He could take over a hockey game. He was game. fucking incredible. Um, I want to say... Eight concussions that we know about. There were some other injuries along the way that, you know, just day-to-day stuff that every hockey player deals with. I mean, I think with the Leafs, he, uh, his season ended in 06 due to a wrist injury. Yeah, I believe he broke just, his wrist. Yeah, something standard, like nothing that, you know, any other player could have had happen to them and and whatever. So that, that, that ends a, a season where he was having a, a, a decent, decent offensive uh, production, but... It all goes back to that that time in Philadelphia. I mean, the guy never played a full season in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a red flag. <laughs> I mean, unless you're uh, a depth guy that just doesn't get in the lineup because you're getting scratched for somebody else every night, you should probably be able to play a full season at some point mm-hmm. in your career. Mm-hmm. And if you can't, then you probably shouldn't play the game anymore. And, and that's ultimately what happened because at 34 uh, – one of the greatest hockey players in the history of the game uh, retired. And honestly, what, what could have been, because this, this guy, he was he was the right player for the era he played in and somehow found a way to have the most devastating injuries mm-hmm. year after year. Yeah, he scored 71 goals in the OHL in 57 games when he was 17 years old. Not bad. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I will say this about Eric Lindros before we move on is uh, 
I don't know if we've talked about him on the podcast before. I feel like he was involved in some top ten. Uh, Eric Lindros is the reason I started watching hockey. Okay. Like, legitimately sat down one day and my dad said, this is Eric Lindros. Watch Eric Lindros. And I think it was that, I think it was that playoff game against Buffalo, I want to say it was, where it was like a minute of him just cycling it to, like, himself, basically. Like, he would cycle it to that other pylon that was on his line, uh probably Renberg and then Renberg would kind of almost lose it and then Lindros would be like I'm right here and then Lindros would fucking like people would try to like there'd be like seven people trying to hit Lindros which is amazing because like you can only put five guys on the ice but like seven people would be trying to like hit Lindros and he would be like he'd have like three guys on one arm and four guys on the other arm and he'd be like throwing them into the crowd and shit be like fuck you two of them were refs I guess yeah uh so yeah Eric Lindros was uh I might have been watching a cartoon that day but Eric Lindros was uh Unbelievable. Number three. Number three, great Eric Lindros, number one. Uh, number <laughs> number two on our list sure. is uh, Mike Bossy. Happier story? <sighs> That's not a happy story. I mean, it is kind of. <laughs> like, if you really think about it, like, I don't, don't want to speak for Mike Bossy here. In terms of having a shortened career, Mike Bossy accomplished an incredible amount of in the shorter amount of time he played. Have you pulled up his Wikipedia page yet? Oh, yeah. Oh, have you? Okay. I was going to ask you what, what you thought his lowest single-season goal total was. Um, that's insane. <laughs> <laughs> the fewest uh, goals he scored in a season was 38. Oh, my God. The fewest. Like, okay. It's it's not it's not even that, okay? Like third let's let's just say thirty eight's not impressive. Let's just say it, okay? Okay. The thirty eight goals came in sixty three games. He never scored under fifty other than that. Under fifty. Never scored under it. Never scored less than fifty goals. Except for one time. It's cause he got hurt and had to retire. That was it. That was the only time. Uh, that was also the only time he hit less than 90 points in a season. I've looked at his stats <laughs> multiple times, and they shock me every time. And I forget until I look at them again. And even, like, in the queue. The guy was ridiculous in the queue. Look at his look at his stats. <laughs> Jesus fuck. He's a bunch of like, 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 don't get me wrong. The guy that's first on this list is unbelievable. But, like, Mike bought if, like, I don't even, I'm just not, like, let's just stop with the stats. Everyone, if you're still listening, which is probably only, like, two people, Google his fucking stat line and look at these numbers. It's insane. Even in the era he played in, just, just tack, like, 10, 15% off that is what you need to do. Uh, it's still ridiculous. Look, look at his playoff numbers. I know! <laughs> I heard 17 goals in three straight playoffs. In 83-84, he had 51 goals and 67 assists for 118 penalty minutes in 67 games. He had eight minutes in penalties that year. Yeah. He took four penalties. Yeah. He took three in his rookie year. You know how hard it is to take only three penalties in your rookie year when you don't know how the game works? I took three penalties in a season one time. I only played 28 games. Yeah. Oh my god. Mike Bossy anyway. was... Holy fuck. 
he wasn't. I, 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 Every time you read about Mike Bossy, it's like learning about him for the first time. Yeah. It's like, ah, I mean, he was good. How good was he? Yeah. Holy fuck. Um, I, I, I still think I have Ovechkin up there, but Mike Bossy probably should be the greatest goal scorer in the history of the league, and we'll never know. He was why. the purest. I'll give him that. And that's why he's number two. He was the purest goal scorer. So okay. Number one. Um, leaves one guy left. And I know what you're thinking at home. Who could possibly better be better than a guy that scored 60 goals 12 times in seven seasons? Well, James, it would uh, it would be the player that I, I would argue is the greatest hockey player in the history of time. Um, which is Mario Lemieux. I get I get a little sad talking about Mario Lemieux because it uh, he was awesome. Um, Mario Lemieux had seven hundred, sorry seven hundred, had seventeen hundred and twenty three points in his NHL career. He played nine hundred and fifteen games. The guy retired for three seasons and came back and scored seventy six points in forty three games. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah un- unbelievable. Um, the guy was so good, and I don't think any other hockey player can say this. Like, I I, I might be forgetting someone. Uh, Mario Lemieux was so good that the owners of the Penguins gave them part of their stake in the team, and they're like, here, let's have this. You could just own part of the team if you want. We're not. We're Mario Lemieux's like, what? And they're like, you could just own the Penguins now. You're just the owner. And he's like, oh, okay, well, do I have to stop playing? And they're like, no, you just keep keep playing. You play as long as you want. You own the team now. You can play till you're 58 if you want. Apparently, he's like, I can't fucking play that long. And then he retired. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Mary Lemieux was insane. Insane. Yeah. No, it's... He uh, he changed the game. He, he kind of showed up at a period where everyone kind of said, like, what Wayne Gretzky was doing was unmatchable, and then he shows up, and everyone went, oh. oh okay. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. Oh, wait. So, you mean Gretzky has Curry and Messier? Coffee. Okay. Well, we're going to give you nobody. <laughs> we'll give you this Yarmer Yager guy in a few years, but only if you can get, like, 180 points a season. And Lemieux's like, yeah, I'll just do that. And he just did it. Uh, what's probably most impressive, and the reason why I think Wayne, Gre- or, uh, sorry, the reason why I think Mario Lemieux is the greatest hockey player of all time, is that uh, Mario Lemieux uh, did all this while smoking uh, a pack of cigarettes a day, which is pretty cool. He's, he's you know what, he's, you know what he's got. He's, he, he has the the Connor McDavid career to this point. <laughs> no playoffs the first four years of Mario Lemieux's existence. I wonder if one in his first six. I wonder if. Uh, Connor's getting a call from from, from Mario this summer. Maybe, just be maybe. like, hey, I, yeah. you know, been there. Keep your head up. If you want a job in Pittsburgh, I got look, one. For uh, you. Look out for cancer, kid. <laughs> it's a bitch. Mario's gonna call him up and be like, here, here's part of my stake in the team. You can just have this. Yeah. Connor's like, so do I have to keep playing for the Oilers? And like, no, well, no. You, you, well, you own this team. You can just play for it if you want. Mario ah. Lemieux. Yeah, I mean, like. Guy played less than a thousand games, and so probably should have been closer yeah, to twelve hundred. I mean, we, we haven't actually even talked about Mary Lemieux's shortcomings here. Um, <laughs> Mary Lemieux retired from hockey for three years, uh, partly because he had cancer, he had some other health issues, but uh, yeah, didn't uh, 
he didn't play at all from 94-95. And he uh, didn't play at all from 97 to 2000. And then he uh, barely played after 2003. If, he also missed the entire lockout yeah. season, obviously, like everyone else did. Yeah. So, so did everyone. Uh, if Mario Lemieux could have played 300 more games healthy, you're looking at about, I would say, 2,100 to 2,200 points. That's about, about that. That's being modest. Yep. <laughs> like I'm, I'm kind of rounding down there. Yeah. Now you're, you're probably maybe the, more, depending sphere. if he's yeah. Like <laughs> he did miss a lot of time in the 90s, where uh, I don't know if you've heard kids, but uh, goals were scored in the 90s for sure. The early part of it, at least, for sure. Yeah. What should? I mean, it been. all worked out for Mario because like Mario's the man now and you know what i mean owns i mean he won a couple cups yeah yeah it's not to say you got nothing out of this um and i mean like i'm not the only person that would argue that mario lemieux is the greatest hockey player in the history of time because uh although the majority goes with gretzky there are your bobby Orr's and your mario lemieux and you know you get a few weird ones lafleur sure esposito I've heard. Yeah. Brodeur. I think I've heard Bossy. Okay. Just granted, we just looked at his numbers. We and, saw uh, some things. Yeah, those people aren't that stupid. No. <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's your top ten. That's top ten. Uh, sorry for the long one, guys. We had a lot to cover, and then uh, that top ten was sad. So it's going to be a... We kind of had to... It's going to be okay, though, because next week we've got a little bit of a different thing yeah, going on. worth so, noting. Uh, yeah. yeah, hopefully, I got. I was going to say, hopefully I tweet that out. I will tweet that out, that we got a little bit of a change in schedule here. Uh, the plan for next week is that we're going to have a playoff preview episode. Now, I know what you're thinking. Uh, when is that going to be out? Because we're normally out on Thursdays or Fridays. The playoffs start on Wednesday. Well, we're going to be out early next week, folks. Uh, you were probably looking, the earlier the better. It depends when we can get together, but uh, the earliest we can get this out, once we know the playoffs, who everyone's playing, uh, we will record as soon as we can, get it out for you as soon as we can. Uh, So when that's going to be, I'm not sure, Um, but it'll be by Wednesday morning. Um, So we know that for sure. Uh, On top of the playoff preview episode, we will also be doing our top 10 That 70 Show episodes next week, because... uh, I've been watching it lately, and I just got to get some feelings off my chest. And, you know, you don't want to hear stuff just strictly hockey all the time. Uh, but next week, that's all it's going to be is playoff preview, top ten. Playoff preview, top ten. Top ten. Top ten. Top ten? Top ten. So uh, that, that's what it's going to be. So, uh, And then we'll be back the week after that with a regular episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we may we may throw a quick 40 or 50 minute or next weekend if something interesting happens during the playoffs. But nothing interesting ever happens during the playoffs. So, uh, yeah. That's least up for this week. Follow us on Clomper, Twitter, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, um, Hushka, Radio Portugal, Anchor, Radio Portugal, Radio Mortadella. Uh, I will have a playoff preview out next week for the Winnipeg Jets based on whoever they will be playing. I'm assuming you're doing the same for the St. Louis Blues. Yeah. It's going to be tough. They're, Fuck, the editors are going could, to have a lot of work next week. They could week. finish first or third, apparently, in that division at this point. Oh, so yeah. I don't know who they're playing for 
the foreseeable future. Yeah, our playoff previews are going to be the same thing. Maybe it's just going to be like... Uh, Maybe we're playing each other. The St. Louis Blues have a playoff series this week, and then like that'll be the end of the first paragraph, and then like the next paragraph will just be like a 500 upside-down question marks, and that'll be your yeah. article. Maybe the, maybe the Preds will leapfrog both teams, and you know, you and I will get our first round matchup. I hope not. Yeah, I, I, for your sake and mine, I would rather us meet in the second round. Sure. Because I don't know, man. Hot take. I don't. I don't think Nashville should make it out of the first round the way things have been going lately. Yeah. And you know what? If if, know. if they meet in the second round, it gives us an excuse to go to Winnipeg. You know, catch a playoff <laughs> game. Yeah. Uh, fuck yeah. That's another thing. Uh, some first hand. There may reporting. be there may be some impromptu trips to winnipeg coming up so uh yeah. um we may miss uh, a day or two of recording but keep those laces laced sure man uh, we need a catchphrase i'm trying to come up with a catchphrase it's just not yeah yeah keep your laces laced yeah keep keep stay laced folks stay laced yeah. lace lace up you can you may now lace down now yeah. lace put put get on the table lace down like face down when you're getting a massage that's all I got. The Lacey Knights Motel. All right. I'm going home. Chantilly Lace Pretty Face. Well, about time for me to be hitting the old dusty trail. I like your hat. Uh-huh.